Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I am on the road this week. Huntsville, Asheville, Richmond, and Roanoke. Roanoke and Richmond, flip it around. We've added shows in Roanoke and in Huntsville. Uh, I think all the shows are sold out. I'm not. I'm not certain, but always go to burpburpburp.com because we open up the t- the venues that we're doing. We always have a hundred seats day of show that we open up last minute. That's every show I do. We will have a hundred seats that we open up day of. We hold on to them for radio comps and for comps for the industry, and uh, and then we release them day of. So always go to burpburpburp.com day of the show. No matter if it says it's sold out, you we release them usually early morning, midday. Uh, yeah, and I'm on, I'm on tour like fucking crazy. Freddie Boy Relapse Tour. I'll be on tour until November, pretty aggressively until November. We have some big announcements coming up. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. I am at uh, I am at the Greek. So we still have availability for that show. We're shooting a big-time promo next week, and we're releasing it once that promo comes out. Those tickets should clean up, so get your tickets right now before that promo comes out. We got open tabs too. And we're back with open tabs. We're doing more episodes of open tabs. They do so well. People seem to love them so much that uh, we thought we'd keep putting them out. So, uh, so enjoy. I hope you're enjoying open tabs. If you have a hilarious video that you think I would like, send it to Halston at BurtBurtBurt.com. Okay. H A L S T O N. Halston at BurtBurtBurt.com. And we will watch it on open tabs. And we will give you credit, okay? Okay? And by the way, if they're good, Halston will go through the good ones, and you'll get credit and a little shout-out. So, like, if there's something you go, hey, this this video is from Mary. She says her husband's the machine and wants me to give it. Whatever you want, you let me know. I'll give you a shout-out when we watch your video, especially if it makes me laugh. Then fucking you'll be a part of that clipped-out thing when you clip out the whatever. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> Today's podcast is with Angela Johnson. If you don't know who Angela Johnson is, then uh, then I feel lucky for you because you're about to see one of the best clips that you've never seen. Angela Johnson came on the scene with a fucking explosion. She was, I think she did a stand-up, she talks about it on the podcast. She did a stand-up comedy class. She had this one bit that she thought was really funny. She did this, these guys said, hey, we're doing, you know, for 25 bucks, you can, do a, we're going to do a video shoot and they put them on phones and she just did it and then a year later it changed her life it was fu- it it is probably there's a handful of bits i think of that i saw for the first time that i said god damn it that's fucking good tater salad jay larson's prank uh prank phone call number one that's one of my favorite bits ever without a doubt it's one of my favorite bits ever um uh uh, I, I just had one on the top of my head that I'm, I'm like blanking on. Um, any, anyway, those are two right there where I go, God damn it. Those are like placeholder bits that could fucking send you into the stratosphere. And she had this nail salon bit that she did. That is fuck. I mean, when it came out, it was a game changer. It sent her into headlining and her stories about getting to from, from an internet sensation, probably the first comic, I knew to go viral, probably. It got her to headlining, a theater tour, and now she has a book called Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. We talk about her childhood, how she wanted to be something different than she was. She wanted to be a Chola. She wanted to be a, a gangbanger's girlfriend. I, I don't know what if that's that sounds right, right? 
Yeah, she was dating yeah. a guy with a kid when she was 14. Dating a guy with a kid in a felony, I think. She, she talks about 14, that. Yeah. She was snorting speed in sixth grade. <laughs> I mean, this is just so not the person I know. Yeah. We talk a lot about religion. So if that's something that drives you fucking nuts, I, I can't help you. I, look, I have never been shy about telling you the things I believe in, my struggles with everything. I'm very open and honest. And we talk about a little bit about my faith because my daughters and my wife do not believe in God. Uh, they do not. And I, uh, and I still do. I still do. That sounds horrible. God's going to be like, still do the fuck. Uh, I, I, I talk about that. I talk about praying. I talk about, uh, I talk about my happiness journal. It's a pretty fucking deep conversation. It's an awesome conversation. And we also talk about Angela a little bit, not much. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to set your hopes up too high. <laughs> you know this podcast. That's you, not completely true, though. It's actually a great interview. Yeah, it, it is a great, great, great conversation with a fantastic person, an amazing comic, and and a, and a real honest individual. I mean, we talk about the internet. We talk about ch- uh, judging ourselves by other people. It's a great fucking podcast. It's a great fucking podcast. I think you're going to love it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to get her book. Who do I think I am? Stories of a stories of Chola wishes and caviar dreams. That is out March 15th. I think you can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Uh, go to Amazon, type in a N J E L a H J O H N S O N or who do I think I am? Seen Miss Pat's special on Netflix? Yes. So fucking good. Miss Pat's special's fucking amazing. Yep. Ali Wong. Miss Pat's special. Ali Wong special's amazing. Man, women are fucking killing it. Thank God we got rid of sexism. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my friend, stand up comedian, author, Angela Johnson. This is the table's not perfect. Do you like my subtle flex? <laughs> I was like, wait, does he give us partying gifts? No, it's nice. it's fake money. Yeah, it looks real, right? Totally. Yeah, it's uh, me and Tom did this thing um, a year ago, maybe. We were we were doing gambling. Uh-huh. Here, pull the mic up uh, to your face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We were doing this thing, this gambling thing, and we we thought. We get ten thousand dollars and we gamble, uh-huh. and uh, and this is what ten thousand dollars looks like. It's not that impressive. No, it's not. You, you see, it turns out. Yeah, you see rappers who get like suitcases. It does. It doesn't look that good. And so, or like action movies when they rob the casino. It's like yeah. you think it's gonna be like twenty bags full, but no. And so, so we got, uh, we got, we ended up getting like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars of fake money for like. $200 and we were like this is a blast but I gotten $10,000 out in cash and so I yeah. grabbed a quick 10000 from the thing and I tried to mess with my wife and she immediately come on is that my coffee she immediately was like that's not real so one morning I wake up Tom and I had also bought these track suits uh-huh. I wake up I'm feeling good I throw on my track suit and I'm gonna go get my medication and I first go to the donut shop I get and I and I real quick I grab ten thousand oh, dollars no. and i started splashing fake one to hundreds everywhere so and you just 
used fake money everywhere and they the, didn't catch it the lady at the pharmacy caught it immediately <gasps> she goes this isn't real and i went what she goes it's not real it doesn't feel real it says, it says play money right there and i went oh my god and i was like ah oh, because we i had i had ten thousand dollars of real money <laughs> that i just grabbed and so uh but i like having it around <laughs> i like having it around it's it's just- a I like to play with myself every now and then and be like, you know what? Let's see if I do that again. Did you go back to the places and be like, listen. To the donut shop. To the donut shop yeah. I did. Um, I only went to the donut shop in my, I make it sound worse than it was. Okay. I went to the donut shop and it's it's attached to my pharmacy. So they're like in the same. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Here's what, here's the question. Like, what was your family like growing up? Like, were you, did you guys grow up with money? Did you guys grow up? No. Um, no, not at all. My, let's see. My parents got divorced when I was eight. And um, so after that, only child. No, you have a sister. I yeah. There's four of us okay. that grew up together, and then later on, we found out we had a, a half older brother from my dad and somebody in high school. Oh yeah. But um, so growing up, it was just four of us, and so my mom would raise the four of us at home by herself on a hairstylist budget. So that wasn't like a lot of money, and I'm sure her siblings helped her out a lot with you know, so we could do cheerleading and we can do all the things, you know, all the activities. Um, that of course she couldn't afford by doing like $26 haircuts and stuff like that. And then my dad, he worked for a, a linen service where he would just deliver linens to different companies and no money at all. When we would go with him on his weekends, we would stay at like the motel six or like the Oasis motel, which was, you know, a staple in East San Jose. And so that's where we would stay with my dad on his San weekend. Jose? I think yeah. I'm from San Antonio for some reason. No, a lot of people think I'm from Texas for some yeah, reason. I don't know. You're, you have a you have a little bit of a twang. I know. I hear that a lot too. I guess I just I don't know. Have a twang. Yeah. So <laughs> so then so then what? Like growing up, what did you think was a lot of money? Um, compared to when you started to make money, like what was like? Because I remember thinking a million dollars was oh, like yeah. I was like that. I was like, if you make a million dollars, you're set. Like I yeah. was like, that's a game. I remember yeah, yeah. legit saying, if you can make a million dollars before you're 33, whew, you did it. You did it. That's the game. That's you get any chick you want. You have any car you want. You live anywhere you want. Like I didn't yeah. know that that million dollars doesn't turn out that way. No, it sure does not. But even like, I would feel like back when I was a kid, if I saw oh a million dollars, if I ever had a million dollars, I would get me like a BMW or like that was you know like that's fancy. And um, to me, a lot of money was I would look at my aunt. My aunt had a lot of money yeah. growing up, and um, like how much? How much now? So I don't know now. She lives in one of the nicest neighborhoods in San Jose, and she's lived there for years. And so I, it's like we always knew she just has like eight bathrooms in her house and we have one Whoa. you know what, like what did your aunt do um she was a nurse but her husband was uh in real estate wow he owned a is lot of aunt, properties hot um she's very beautiful yeah yes that's how that works <laughs> <laughs> very few ugly aunts get real estate husbands <laughs> there's so many things that are that as a comic you shave down whatever story you need to hear and just tell the story you need to know uh-huh. so like I, I one of my things that always gets groans and i never understand why is when you see like an older man with a hot woman and i go second wife and he oh. i go married and they go second wife and then every, because everyone just goes oh what are you trying to say but and it's you're like, true yeah, you're like that yeah that guy doesn't get that chick right right 
Unless he's got one like the Benjamin Buttons disease and he ages super sure, quick. Sure, sure, sure. But but uh, keep going. I'm sorry. So you got a hot um, rich yeah, aunt. Yeah, so my aunt, this is what was a lot of money to me, is um, she would be, I would be with her and she'd like reach into her pocket and she'd be like, oh, I didn't know I had this $20 in here. And to me, that was mind blowing that someone could live without having every dollar accounted for. The fact that you just forgot you had $20 in your pocket, I could never imagine that happening ever in my life because every dollar is accounted for. All the change is accounted for. Did you get my change? It was 36 cents. Yes, did you get my change? You know, like everything's accounted for. So I remember that when I would see her do that, I'd be like, wow, that's freedom right there. And then I, when I knew I was starting to make it, I remember one day I was going through an old jacket and I found like 20 bucks in my pocket. And it was kind of like an emotional moment that I had. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing freedom. I didn't have to account for every dollar anymore. This is like what I used to see my aunt do back in the day. That's crazy. Does it, was there a moment, was there ever a moment where you began to see your aunt in a different light when you realized the stresses of financial responsibility. Oh yeah. I mean, because everyone comes to her for help when they need help and, in the family. And I bet. Including my my mom as well. Yeah. And like us, we have needed help from her many times. And um, now being in this position where I have people who need help, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it, Antelia. I know what, what it feels like, you know? Yeah. But it also is that's our family is we're very generous. We're very, we take care of each other and, and all of that, of course, without like enabling, but what is it? This is the dumbest question I'm going to ask you all fucking day. Okay. But I, I, I don't, I don't really know the answer, okay. but I think I do, but you're, you're Mexican, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, because there's to assume, I think coming from Southern California, you assume immediately a lot. I mean, I thought Joe Coy was Mexican for a long time. <laughs> Like, you know, like, and then you're like, oh, oh, Filipino. That's totally different. Okay. Yeah. Well, but it's not really because really, yeah. everyone's got the same Spanish name. I know. <laughs> and so, but, uh, but, uh, 100% Mexican. Is your dad Mexican? So we're Mexican and Native American on both sides. My, both of my parents have Native American blood yeah. in them. Um, but we're Mexican American. We're yeah. Latinos. You speak Spanish? We're, no. Not at all? Very American. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wish does, I spoke Spanish. Does your mom Spanish? speak Spanish? No, my, see, that's the thing is my, I'm fourth generation. So Holy my shit. mom was born here. My grandma was born here. It's my great grandma who was born in Mexico or my great, great grandma who was born in Mexico. So no one in your family can make tortillas. My grandma, but yeah. she's passed. That's can I Tamales took the recipe with her. Just. So I, I have, I have uh, started keeping a happy in this journal. Oh, and, good. Yeah. And then, so I set goals for myself um, every month. Last month's that. goal was to learn how to surf. I've been going through a lot of shit. I've been okay. going through a lot of shit of trying to find out why I'm happy and why I'm not happy. And I mm. feel like if I if I can whittle, and people have heard me say this, but if I can whittle out the little things that don't make me happy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then and then dial in on what makes me happy. Love that. And so one thing I I decided was that I've always wanted to surf. I, I've, I've surfed at times in my life, but I've wanted to be someone who found that as an activity to do because mm. it would keep me healthy, it would keep me young and... And I think it would be f- it's fun to learn something new. Yeah. And we went to San Diego and I went surfing. I caught on my own two waves and Come rode on. them and I had a fucking blast. And I felt very proud. My, this is going to sound so stupid. My goal this month, my goal this month is to learn how to make flour tortillas. To I make, love that. Why is it your goal? 
because every time I've ever had homemade flour tortillas, I've always appreciated my meal that much more. And I love tortillas. I think they're a great delivery system for food, <laughs> you know? And so, and if I could be in control of making my own homemade flour tortillas, it, I was like, it's something I really, really genuinely want to learn how to do. And it's difficult because you got to get lard. Yeah. And, 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 and lard isn't, it's uh, not and, healthy. Yeah, it's not healthy. And it, and, and I think there's some other stuff. Like I had homemade tortillas in San Antonio. They dropped off, I forget the name mm. of the place, but they dropped off a stack mm. and it made everything better. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't want to overwhelm myself with a big goal. I, one of my goals this month is to lose 10 pounds. I don't know where I'm at, but my pants fit loose today. Come on. Yeah, so that's all that matters. I, I'm, not, I'm not stepping on. I look at the scale the same way I look at Twitter. I just kind of glance <laughs> yeah. on it. I go, what the fuck am I looking at for? <laughs> so, uh, so that's homemade, homemade tortillas. And I always ask that every time I have a friend who's Mexican. Can your mom make tortillas? And the answer is always no. I it's know. Always like, it's like, hey, man, we're just as American as you. We get I them at the store also. <laughs> Like just not everyone, man. That's like going. <laughs> I've tried a yeah. few times, really? but it's like either it's the texture is not the same as my grandma's or mine come out looking like different shapes, like the states of the United States. And yeah. hers were always like perfectly round. So I've, I've not mastered it. I have attempted a few times. Though. So what how this is a bizarre question. And I'll, I'll ask it by answering it first. OK. So like that you met my cousin being irish is a part of our identity uh -huh. but it's not overwhelming and 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 i always assume anyone from any other ethnicity part of their I, part of their culture is their identity like i feel like uh i feel like it's one of the things we miss out on as being white dudes mm -hmm. is like if you start celebrating yourself being german too much it looks racist yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you can't <laughs> but like how much was being mexican a part of your identity growing up so that's an interesting question because I grew up wishing I was more Latino than I actually was because I didn't speak Spanish because I didn't live in a neighborhood where a lot of Latino people lived. Um, and I always wanted to be more of what I thought I was supposed to be. Now I'm, I'm at a different place where I don't feel like I, I can be any more than what I already am. Yeah. But it's I, I want to learn Spanish for the sake of I want to be able to communicate with people and be in touch with my culture, not so I can prove myself like back then I needed to prove myself. Yeah. So there's still situations now where I'm in a conversation and it starts turning into Spanish and then I'm like, oh, shoot. And then I have to like slowly back away from the conversation. Well, that's a big thing in, in, in California is uh, like I, I'm good friends with Jesus Trejo. And many times you'll walk into a place and they will just address him in Spanish. Yeah. And you're like, and I'm and I'm like, that's a roll of the dice. Cause growing up in Florida, none of my Cuban friends spoke Spanish at all. Uh -huh. Like todos. <laughs> I mean, and so uh so that would be sketchy sketchy, especially people just assuming I'll roll off some Spanish and then you and you're like, uh Well, let me tell you, every time I go to Vallarta and I'll I know little bits. And as soon as I'm like, hola, buenos dias, then it's well, you like, do it with the accent. I'm like, oh, shoot. Uh, despacio, a little slower, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Ingles, ingles. The, uh, you do it with the, the Spanish accent. Like my Spanish, I, I, feel, I feel gross when I do it with Spanish accent. <laughs> like, like my favorite meal, my favorite meal is picadillo, right? Like I Who? love picadillo. Oh, it's picadillo. Okay. Yeah, it's my favorite meal, but I don't want to. 
put too much of an accent on. So I kind of fucked the word up because yeah. I feel like I'm like, I feel like it's like if, if, if like if like someone Mexican was like, hello, Bert, how are you doing? And I'm uh-huh. like, I'm like, you can just do the thing you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need you to turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 interesting because I wanted to be a lot of different things. I wanted to be I wanted to have some idea. Like when you say Native American, I remember one time saying at the at the Brian Improv, I was Native American in the front row, and I was like, "Oh, how fucking cool!" And he goes, "Why?" You know, how this, remember the Brian Improv was like that, where yeah. it was like super conversational, like you <laughs> like you would do a show, but it was very interactive. And he goes, "Why?" And I said, "Well, I just think that would be." Do you know what kind of Native American? He's like, "I, I think like Navajo." I go, "You don't know, man. You don't know your history." And he goes, "Hey, man, what are you?" And I was like, "I don't know, like Irish and German, I think." And he was like, "Hold on." You don't know your shit, but you think I should know my shit? And he goes, do you think that you would be more interested in yourself if you were Native American? And I was like, it's a really good point. No, I would not. I would be just as bored with my history. I wouldn't talk to my mom about, tell us more about our ancestors. Who is this philosopher in your front row? Like, this guy, (laughs) listen. He was was part black hat, part Native American. And I, uh, and trust me, I had fun with that. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> he was like, make a joke out of that. And I was like, okay, runs from police. And so, <laughs> I hate so, you so much. yeah. So, uh, but, but that's fascinating. What, what, like, it's a horrible question. <laughs> what kind of Mexican did you want to be? Like, did you, like, cause I remember when I was a kid, when I came out here, you had like, there were like different types of, you'd have the, the goth Mexicans that were overweight, right? You'd have the cowboy, this cowboy Mexicans, rancheros, yeah, and like they're like I remember seeing like so many different cultures of Mm -hmm. Mexican, and like I remember one time these dudes were working on our house, and I said I love uh, ranchero music, and they're like this is Norteños music, and I was like, the fuck's the difference? He's like, oh bro, come on, and I was like, I'm sorry, and so like like when you were a kid, sounds silly to ask, and I apologize if it's insulting, but I see you as Mexican. What what did you want to be? I wanted to be a chola. <sighs> I wanted to be a gangster. That's oh the life God. I wanted. Oh, I fuck. wanted to just roll in a 64 Impala with hydraulic zit, 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 lean to the side. Like, that's what I wanted. Those. Go cruising down Story and King with my boo. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the life I wanted. I wanted a boyfriend with, like, tattoos all over his neck. You know what I mean? Like, that was my life. I wanted that so bad. That's why the title of my book is Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. Because For real? Oh, that's, I, that's a beautiful title. Thank you. Holy shit. Thank you so much. God. I wanted to be a chola real bad. Like it was, I idolized the the girls that lived on the other side of the tracks. I would come home and ask my mom, like, mom, do we do we have any family members in prison? Because I was looking for street cred. I just yeah, wanted some yeah. street cred. And she was like, no, we're not that family. Like, stop. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I'm so I just, sorry I raised you right. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I wanted to live in the hood. I was so sad that there were no cars on blocks in our neighborhood. There were no primered cars rolling down. There was nothing. It was just oh. like a nice middle class neighborhood. But I wanted to be over there in the hood. Wait, what were there movies that you saw growing up that that helped draw oh. this fantasy? I mean, yes, Mi Vida Loca, Blood and Blood Out, blood Training and blood out. Day. Blood and Blood Out's a great movie. A great fucking movie. Yeah. It is a great fucking movie. And I think everything I know about Mexicans was formed out of that one movie. <laughs> that movie and and the Richie Valens story. Oh my god. La Bamba. Oh god. I was yeah. like, I was like, every Mexican. Have you ever knows gone to his drew- museum? 
No. It's not far from here. Richie Valens Museum. Are you serious? It's San Fernando Valley. It's where he's from. Oh, Donna. Bro, go to the museum. By the way, I was kind of obsessed with him because I have a fear of flying. And I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm very, uh, uh, I have rituals and I have very, and I wear a necklace to, that I wear to protect me. You've from always had this, or it's... since I was a child, I've had a fear of flying. It is, uh, it is one thing I would change about myself. If I could change that about myself, no one might ever see me drink again. If I, uh, yeah, because I, I only drink because of flights, and then flights will loosen up. Like, I, I won't drink. I'm not drinking right now, but I won't drink. Probably, maybe I'll drink at the Super Bowl. Then I won't drink, and then when I get on the plane, I'll drink. And then once I had a drink, I'll drink that night on the road, that night on the road, that night on the road, because I know I'm drinking on the flight back. And then, and so, yeah, drinking on planes has been a big deal. And Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, that whole, mm-hmm. that whole yes. plane crash um, was, was one of the many plane crashes that Roberto Clemente, um, uh, who was the catcher for the, uh, for the Yankees, that he, he died when I was, uh, God damn it, I could tell you his name if, if I, uh, he died when I was a kid. And I remember asking my dad, uh, catching for the Yankees, not Jorge, uh, Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson, see when he died. Thurman Munson died in a plane crash. And I, and I want to say I was a child. And I said to my dad, how does he have a family? Mm. And he goes, oh, yeah, he's got children. And I mm. said, wait, what happens to his children? And he goes, they just don't have a father. And I was like, that's something that can happen to people? Mm. He was like, yeah, don't get on airplanes. You know, my dad, don't get on airplanes. And you're like, oh, no. And then you're like, imprinted you're like oh yeah. motherfucker so so <laughs> yeah be a touring comedian i have a terrible fear of flying i don't know but, so, but that's why i connected with richie valens and that and this is going to sound silly but in florida i know that i'm going to say this and then people are going to people have are more than welcome to have their opinion of it being different in tampa growing up we didn't see color in latino like mm-hmm. we didn't it was there were so many Cuban kids that mm-hmm. were our best friends that it kind of like Florida was still semi segregated growing up. There were okay. black neighborhoods mm-hmm. like Dwight Gooden, Gary Sheffield. They all grew up in I think Belmont Heights, which is a black neighborhood. Okay. Um, but there was we that, that didn't happen with Latinos. So when I came out, when I first saw that movie, I also didn't understand the difference between. Mexican and Cuban, Cuban and Puerto Rican. Uh-huh. I didn't, Guatemalan. I didn't understand any of those differences. I mean, so much so that I remember just, I spoke a little Spanish when I went to Spain and they were like, how do you understand Spanish? And I and I just said, I'm Cuban. Cause I was like, I'm with, and they're like, you're not fucking Cuban. And I go, and I was like, well, how the fuck can you tell the difference between me and Ty Rodriguez? We look identical. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Like, like Troy Kent's half Cuban. His mom's name's Mercedes. Like, are you, like, how do you, cond- pull up a picture of fucking Troy Kent. Tell me this kid looks Cuban or not, right? Troy Kent, Dean Kent, tell me if they look Cuban. They're fucking Cuban, right? This is, I wonder if you're really going to find Troy Kent. Uh, okay, Troy, Dean Kent, that baseball picture, I think that's him. Baseball, that's Troy Kent. No, that's not him. But like, Troy Kent and Dean <laughs> Kent are two of my best friends growing up. Okay. Their mom is Cuban. And then we all spoke enough Spanish to get by. Anyway, I don't know where this is fucking going. My, my I liked that movie, The La Bamba. <laughs> I like all the Cholo movies. Anything with Cholos in it, I was obsessed. Like, really? that was my jam. I wanted, I mean, growing up, I was mm, like 14, 15, dating this guy who was in a gang. He had a kid. 
and like never graduated high school. Like that was that was my man. Like I was really? like, I won, honey's like back up. He's mine, y'all. Like no high school education <laughs> just has a kid. I'm playing stepmom at 14. Are like you at 14. That was the life that I wanted. You were dating a guy when you were 14? Yeah. Like, and, and he had and, a kid. And I, clearly having sex if he had a yeah. kid. Well, so I wasn't. He was. So that was a thing. So I was like in this area of my life where I wanted to be a chola real bad, do drugs. So I started doing drugs when I was 12 and 13. Wait, what the fuck? This is not who I thought. Yeah. Like, I know who you are. I mean, I know yeah, who you yeah, are yeah. kind of, you know, but like I knew, I know you, I know enough about you to know. I can't believe this is part of your story. I know. I, I mean, I don't talk about it on stage in my act, yeah. which is why I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book and put it all in there because I've shared these stories at like when I spoke at women's conferences or young girls conferences and things like that, where it's more of like you're sharing your life story, not just like jokes and punchlines. So um, I let's see. 12, 13, 14, I started doing drugs. Like and smoking weed? Like we smoke weed. We were doing crank in the bathroom at sixth grade, going going into the bathroom Holy in our shit. junior high school. Um, and just really, like I remember doing, doing lines in the bathroom in sixth grade with my friends. And um, my best friend at the time, her mom was a drug addict and her boyfriend was a drug dealer. So that made things very convenient. So anytime I would go to their house, it was like whatever we wanted was available to us. And so here we are, these 12, 13, 14 year old girls just living our best life. So we think, oh you know, God. and so again, that was what I wanted. That was, I was hungry for that. I was like, yeah, I want to live in the hood. And you know, like it's tough or whatever it was, which is not how, my mom raised me, but that's the life that I wanted. And so I started dating this guy. He's in a gang. He has a kid. But at the same time, my mom started taking me to church. So now I'm like caught between these two worlds of I start going to this church that's very diverse. There's a lot of different people there. Filipino, Latinos, black people, white people, a lot of different Asians. Like everybody's here at this church. And they're like they're like me. Like they're just real people. They're not like cheesy, dorky kids. So it was yeah. like, oh, I like these kids. And then um, now I'm torn because I know I shouldn't be doing these things. I should be doing these things. And so I was living this double life of like, I want to be a chola. Let me go do drugs. I'll cruise with my friends. But at the same time, I'm starting to learn about Jesus. And I want to go to youth camp with my new friends and like have all these spiritual experiences with my new youth camp friends. And so that was like this double life that I was living my teenage years, all while trying to be more Mexican than I felt that I actually was. My God, why don't kids find Jesus anymore? Like we all, I mean, like we, all of us, all me and all of my friends at one point were going to, uh, it was called uh, Young Life is what it was called. And, and you would go to Young Life and then they take you to Windy Gap. And and it would it was like the coolest. Monday nights was, Monday nights was like young life and everyone would go to someone's house and then you'd, I don't, it wasn't like super heavy Jesus. It was like, just help you talk about your things. And uh -huh. this, this is all based in God. And yeah. it was cool. And it was a time you got to see chicks. So like yeah. chicks would go and oh, you'd go yeah. and hang out. We were in high school and there were some, there were some guys that took it too far. Shout out to Tyler, PJ, Obi and Chad. 
AKA <laughs> regulators. So, uh, oh, fuck. Oh, I mean, but like my, my kids just don't believe in God. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit. You know, look, I'm not over religious, obviously, sure. but, I, but I wear my necklace and, and I, I pray when I pray, you know, I, I definitely pray probably more than anyone in my fucking house. But, um, I haven't been to church in forever, but I, I, in my head, I just go, that's fine. I got to go to church Friday with my wife. My wife hasn't been to a Catholic church in fucking forever, ever, ever, ever. Do you um, think you pray more than anybody in your house because of your fears? Is it your fears that make you pray or do you pray gratitude prayers? I do gratitude. I do gratitude. That's really interesting you say that, Angela. I do gratitude prayers every morning I'm home outside with the sun Love hitting that. me. Love. I think I try to be dialed into things I'm grateful for and then find those things I'm grateful for and see how I can repay it forward so that they are grateful for me tomorrow. Mm. Um, I i uh i find myself grateful for small very very small things that shouldn't matter like like bird feeders i'm very grateful that we have bird feeders in our backyard mm -hmm. and so i i make sure that those birds are grateful that we put them up so that i make sure they're always filled i will make sure our bird bath our bird bath watching a bird take a bird bath is one of my favorite things mm. in the world um hummingbirds i'm grateful oh, for hummingbirds yeah. so I, I make sure like those little things like we have an owls are my totem uh, and so I have, I know I sound like a fucking lunatic right now. Um, we have an owl that lives in our thing. So I built an owl house. A guy bought yeah. an owl house for him. So he had a place to live. But the, the things that I'm, I do gratitudes. And so, but then I'm also, I have a, an OCD thing where I pray. Um, like last night, last night, my daughter's doing this thing. And uh, I was beat. I was in bed. I was half asleep. And uh, I just, and I don't know if it's divine intervention. If, but my, uh, something said to me. Hey, you should say a prayer for Georgia because she is um, she's experiencing a lot of things that are new to her, and she may be out of her comfort zone. Mm. And and just say a prayer for her real quick. And so I said mm. a prayer real quick for her. Very simple, not nothing too big. Yeah. But I pray. Uh, Love that. I pray in the shower a lot. So like I'll I'll, I'll go through an, a hardcore prayer for. Um, it starts with my wife, my daughters, my dogs, my cats. Um, then my sister, her husband, their kids, my other sister, my parents. And then I think about other people that may need it. Um, I was told from a, at a very young age, you never pray for yourself for what you need. Whoa. Never pray for yourself. Oh. Pray only for other people. That was, I don't know. I don't even, maybe that was in a fucking movie. I'm you know, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was in a fucking movie. But like, uh, so, uh, so I just say prayers for everyone else. And then I. I wrap it up. I'll talk. I don't know. I talk. To, I talk. To, I talk to God all the time. But like I said, I think I had this weird base of like I went to all boys Catholic high school. Um, that's a good question. So you're because I, I I don't need to tell anyone where my faith showed up. My faith showed up out of anxiety. I think the most mm -hmm. thought I losing my virginity was a a big. That was a big month of me going to church by myself on Sundays from shame uh shame uh forgiveness um humility uh it was a lot it was a lot i went to went to church I, I, we go to church every morning at, at school uh -huh. uh, a small mass but i would go to church on sundays when it was not noticeable because my whole family didn't go mm -hmm. and i'd run to church and i just pray to god saying like uh i know you got a path for me um i'm hoping 
that I'm hoping that you're putting me on the right path and I can't ask for anything. I don't want to ask for anything, but I just need to make sure you got me, you got an eye on me. And he's always had an eye on me, I think. Do you still believe that you shouldn't pray for yourself? Uh, I don't pray for myself. So it, it manifests itself differently. So what I do is I, uh, this is, I'm going to sound like a fucking lunatic. Um, I'll say a prayer. If I see double numbers, uh -huh. I'll know God's watching out for me. And that's all uh -huh. I need to know. Great. So if I see double numbers, 11, 11, 22, 22, uh, every time I get on the treadmill, I see all zeros and I go, oh, he loves me. Mm. And he's going, yeah, that's right. Get on the fucking treadmill. Love. I got you. you this is your path. And so it's, it's, it's bizarre. And I know that this isn't Bert, you're sexy. You're so in tune. You're so in tune with God and yourself in your own way. And that's what it, all those little things that you hear, like I'll say a little prayer for Georgia or just like the fact that you would see all zeros and be like, oh, God loves me. So many people do not um, correlate the two or attribute that to God and say like, oh, God loves me and and remind themselves to look within because we have so many things that we can be thinking about all day. We can be stressed about our bills, our kids or whatever it is, our careers mm -hmm. and you know, on social media, scrolling and then comparing yourself to other people's lives. Like if if you're, you know, you're trying to have kids and you can't, but then you see all your friends get pregnant and then there's like those kinds of things too. And so whether it's entertainment industry people scrolling and comparing themselves or it's just anybody who lives anywhere in the world dealing with something like, oh, I don't feel like my husband loves me and look at this girl posting her husband just bought her roses, like things like that. And then you start comparing yeah. yourself, right? So many things that we have to think about in life that we don't take enough time to look within, to pause, to realign. And if you see double numbers, be like, oh, God loves me. And pause in that for a second and take yourself out of the rat race. Take yourself out of the self-deprecating mode. Like, uh, nobody loves me or whatever it is. Yeah. And be like, oh, God loves me. Like, yeah. you're so in tune. That's really, really cool. I don't think he's not like a lunatic at all. Well, I know, but I know, but like, it's not sexy to like have faith in, in Hollywood. It's not. It's, it's definitely not sexy. Well, it's sexy to have faith if you're another religion. If you're Kabbalah, is that a thing still? I think so. And like, or Scientologist or like people then all of a sudden respect it. But if God forbid, um, uh, you know, I, God's always shown up for me at the right times. Like I remember I, did, I, had, to do a, I had to do a set. I had to do a set for uh, my first set that ever mattered. And it was at Boston Comedy Club for Will Smith's production company. David Tochterman was in the audience and it was going to- In New York? In New York. I was 26 years old and it would decide if right. I was going to get a deal, six-figure deal. Whoa. And it was a big deal. It was a, a list of killers on that stage at night. And one of my best friends to this day is, is a woman I lived with at the time, not romantically, but we, we, we had dated in the past, but we weren't living romantically. Uh -huh. And her mom was very religious. And I was about to go on stage and she said- um, she gave me a hug and she whispered in my ear, Jesus has a plan for you and he's always got 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 you in his eye. And she's like, have a great set. It's like, some people would be like, what the fuck was that? But I I like that shit. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. My manager is Judy uh, Marmel. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a big set. We had to do a big set for uh, for uh, Jameson Comedy Tour. We're doing the Jameson Comedy Tour. It's $5,000 a week if you did... Everyone got $5,000 a week. That's a lot of fucking money back yeah. in the day. It's a lot of money now, but back in the day, it was more money than I was ever going to make for another few sure, years. Sure, sure. And we were in Boston, and we were, the James people had flown out to see us, 
and we needed to kill. And Judy just, you know, Judy's never been shy about her faith. Mm-hmm. She just grabbed all of us, me, Billy Gardell, uh, Mike Loftus, and Danny Bevins, grabbed all of us and said, let's let's hold our hands and let's say a prayer. I love that shit. Now, I'm not yeah. the guy that's ever going to go, guys, let's grab our hands and say a prayer. I'm not that guy. I kind of yeah. keep shit to myself. Yeah, yeah. I love when people go, let's ask for some divine intervention here and yeah. get put on the right path. I love it. I love it. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp wants to tackle some of the stigmas around mental health. And I could not agree more. I just read an article on Charlemagne de God who said he is doing the same thing. And it's so important because a lot of people think therapy is for other people. But utilizing therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you recognize that all humans have emotions and that we need to learn to understand them, not avoid them. We've all been taught that taking care of our mental health shouldn't be a part of every day major misconception we take care of our bodies by exercising we brush our teeth every morning we go to the doctor we eat well focusing on and investing in mental health is just the same as focusing and investing in the health of your body you're just investing in the health of your mind and it's just as important some people might think you should wait until things good are unbearable then try therapy bull shit that is not true nip it in the bud therapy is a tool to utilize before you get that bad and it can help you avoid those lows trust me from a guy who's been in therapy for quite a fucking while now BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy and Burtcast listeners Get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Bert. That's betterhelp.com slash Bert. My bus driver pulled me aside and said to me, do you know how you can lose weight? And I said, how? And he goes, you need a psychologically based approach. I went, mother, are you talking about Noom? I do reads for Noom. He, Ron swears by it. and Ron looks fantastic right now. Ron's chick swears by it. And he walked me through it. He didn't need to walk me through it. I know how great Noom is. Unlike other restrictive diets or workout programs, Noom uses psychology to empower you with the practical knowledge and skills you need to build smarter, more sustainable, long-term habits and behaviors. Their psychology approach is based on scientifically proven principles like CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which better helps people understand their relationships with food and why they eat the way they do eat. Noom understands that the weight loss journey is difficult with ups and downs. That's why they believe it's about progress, not about perfection, because everyone's journey is going to be different. My journey has been fucking up and down and up and down. It's been insane. And it's and here's the biggest thing I love about Noom. It's totally okay to have a day off. You're not going to it's not, not going to set you off course. Noom's weight gently gets you back on track. You're the boss. You decide how Noom's weight fits in your life. Not the other way around. 5, 10, 15 minutes a day. How much time you want to spend on the app? It's up to you. They give you the knowledge and the wisdom you need to make informed choices that not only fit your lifestyle, but help you reach your goals. More than 75% of the users complete the program. More than 60% of the users lose 5% or more body weight by 16 weeks. And more than 60% of users engage with the program. Keep the weight off for a year or more. Noom is grounded in science. It's the heart of everything they do. They have published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles that inform users 
practitioners, scientists, and the public about how their methods work and how effective they are. Sign up for your trial and get psychology-based support and motivation to reach your goals at noom.com slash BERTCAST. That's noom.com slash BERTCAST to sign up for your trial. In my, uh, in my green rooms, uh, it started as a coping mechanism for my anxiety, mm -hmm. but then it just started to become a thing of celebration, but it's, um, I practice gratitude for my anxiety. And so anytime <laughs> I like that, I'm very grateful for my anxiety. My anxiety is the reason we stayed through the, we live, we lived through the pandemic. My anxiety, my anxiety, that's, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I'm no, grateful yeah. for my anxiety. Yeah. Cause my anxiety is the reason I create things. Yeah. My anxiety is the reason we had a stack full of freezed meat when the when the pandemic started and we had toilet paper and we had water and we had everything because I'm an anxious person and I was like, God forbid anything <laughs> happened. And it's the reason I created the fucking drive-in theater tour. It's the reason I come Did up it. with promos is my anxiety sits there and goes, the fuck are you doing today? That's it, man. Your career's over. You're done. Everyone knows, man, you're fucking, well, you got one good story. That's it. That's it. And I was like, so I'm so sorry, but keep no, going. You're, but, you're in your green room. Yeah. So I, I practice gratitude and I like, yes, anxiety, you're trying to protect me. Thank you for trying to protect me. Thank you, anxiety, for trying to reveal things to me. I'm actually good. I have to do a lot of self-talk with myself. But if I ever start feeling anxious in my green room before a show or wherever I'm feeling heavy or I, I'm feeling like just not myself, I'm not joyful and I just feel like a heaviness on yeah. me. It's usually a manifestation of my anxiety. I'm usually anxious about something and I can't really articulate it. Then I'll just pause and in the room, I say, let's do gratefuls. Everybody go around the room and share something that you're grateful for. I just did this the other night. Because, and I read this, I read this in a book, uh, You Are a Badass uh, by Jen Sincero. Love that book. But she was talking about how gratitude begets gratitude. And when you put gratitude out there, it comes back to you, which you were just talking about. And in um, the same thing, like when we tell jokes, we tell the joke and their laughter is their thank you. And it's we tell another joke and it's like a big circle of gratitude that we're doing that whole hour that we're on stage. Yeah. It's just a whole circle of gratitude. So gratitude shifts your perspective. Gratitude shifts your energy and it raises your vibration. Anxiety is a low vibration emotion. Fear, anger, that's all low. Up here is, is gratitude, joy, um, all these kinds of emotions here. So it's like, oh, I'm feeling a type of way. I'm going to practice gratitude. And then if you're exuding gratitude, you're raising your vibration, you're raising next, you know, this whole room vibration just raised a little bit so we could stop operating in this low space over here. So if I feel it, I'll be like, let's do gratitudes. Or if I see someone else, like, Maybe I can see if my opener is having some anxiety and I could catch it. I'm like, your waves are touching me and I don't like what's happening right yeah. now. So let's all do some gratitude because I feel like you stressed out and That's let's so, all get on board together. I used to have a buddy, same one of the same dudes that was in the God Squad in the regulators um, who moved out to L.A. And I remember he wasn't happy in L.A. And he would come to my house and he would displace his bad mood on he needed to give it to you so he could get rid of it. And I, wow. he'd show up and he'd be like, uh, fucking tra traffic sucks. Fucking, have you been down there? And he'd be like, okay, what are you doing? This isn't. And then once he got you to feel like shit, he felt better. And I was like, I remember saying to him, hey, you can't do this to me anymore. Like, mm. if you come over here and you walk in the door, like, I'm in a good mood. I need you to be in a good mood. Like, I don't mind listening to you. 
if you have stuff. It seems like you always show up with a problem and you displace it to me in order to make it. And, and it's very observational of you. I, I'm, I am. So I usually it's. I'm not that observational, but I, but in that case I was, but I'm not, I'm not like a super insightful dude, but it, there's, there was, when I got COVID, I, I thought, I thought to myself, what am I, uh, I don't, my, my health is, is very important. And I never realized that before. Like I, I operate hungover all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, and, but I can operate at a pretty high level hungover. I can show up, do the work, mm-hmm. be on time, not feel hungover, not mm-hmm. act hungover, work out, deadlift, uh, get, do it radio interviews, get everything done, get everything done. I mean, and so I, and the, but when I got COVID, I was like, I was like, I'm operating below average. Like I, if, imagine if I just operated a little higher mm-hmm. and that's when I, that a couple other things. Rob Deerdeck is a really interesting dude. I'd love to talk to him about this. He said he can quantify how many good days he has a year because he keeps track of them. He wow. he I, I wish I could find the clip, but he he measures his day, quantifies his day, and he can tell you exactly how many good days and bad days he's had during a year. And I thought I love numbers. I love interesting. And so I thought that would be cool to be able to go through. And know what your good days and bad days were. Like yesterday was a good day, but health wise, it was a bad day because I've been partying for a while. So I feel like I have been programmed. This is this is the clip, but we'll keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, So I feel like I've been programmed to shift everything and make it a positive thing, you know, which has its its benefits, but also um, can be damaging if you don't allow yourself to experience and express whatever negativity that you feel. You have to allow your feelings to feel what they feel. So if you are constantly being like, oh, this bad thing happened, but at least I'm still healthy. Oh, you know, I didn't get that part in the movie, but at least they were considering me for it. And now I'm in these conversations. So I'm like used to trying to like, flip my perspective to make something positive but sometimes no that just sucks and i don't like today i didn't get on last comic standing too and i remember thinking at the time you're not ready it's you're not ready but i needed that money like i Mm. I was having georgia we had no money coming in and 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 but being on last comic standing allowed me to start featuring Mm. so i could feature based off that off last comic standing and it wasn't until it wasn't until recently that I was like, I was like, thank God I didn't get last comic standing too. Like I looked back as that a blessing. But it's okay to be let down and bummed out. And and there's so many things that have happened in my career where I go, thank God I got fired from Travel Channel. That was really hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. But it taught me, like, I, I think I'm a rebound guy where I go. Give, give me the hard shit and let me see how I get out of it. Because uh-huh. I, I almost enjoy the rebirth a tad bit. And, and I, look, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I, I, you know, that's my strong suit. But like, but when I got fired from Travel Channel and, and I got taken off the Funny or Die tour and and my we were redoing our house and I had no money coming in. Wow. I had canceled all my tour dates. My wife wanted me to get a vasectomy. Tom was fat shaming me. All this shit was happening at one time. There's a there's a silence mm-hmm. that comes with that where you just are sitting there going, 
so where do we start? It's almost like looking at a dirty room and going, where do we start cleaning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It can be overwhelming, but then like at the same time, you're like, as I'm listening to your talk, to, to you talk, I'm telling myself things like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like that's one of my affirmations of like when everything is like, oh, you didn't get this. You got kicked off of this tour. Uh, you know, Tom's doing this with all these things and that deep breath. And then it's, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You're and then moving right. from there. That's, those, you are, know? those are my mom's sayings. You're right where you're supposed to be. It all comes out in the wash. Everything's going to be fun. You know, how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. My mom has like all these mm-hmm. elephants, all these elephants, all these things. So wait, so when, so like how quick was your connection with your religion versus and the path you took because i'm i'm because whereas i probably at the roughly the same age got introduced to young life i hope young life's a thing and people know what the fuck i'm talking about i've heard of it okay okay yeah so when i got introduced to young life i i i I take everything pretty serious especially if it makes me feel good and so and and then you know you know it's like as soon as i went to college i was like i'm i went to church a couple times in college uh I, i i but like how quickly did that connect with you going? Because I know you to be a person of faith today, mm-hmm. but how, like, did you veer off? Did you go, I got my time where I'm partying? Did you stop oh, yeah. partying? Like, oh, yeah. It's been a journey for sure. Um, and even now, for the past five years, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, doing the youth group. And then after that, broke up with my gangbanger boyfriend and was like, okay, I'm just going to be like sold out for Jesus and be like super Christian and all all the rules. No sex before marriage. Like you shouldn't be doing drugs anymore. Don't drink alcohol. Like all the things. Don't say cuss words. All the things. And then... um all the way through my 20s and my 30s. And when I got married, um, just evolving as a woman, evolving in my own faith, started asking a lot of questions about my faith and realizing that I didn't 100% subscribe to all of the things that I had been taught growing up. And so for the past five to six years, I'd say I've been deconstructing my Christian faith and reconstructing what my faith is what my belief system is and just trying to rid myself of things that are not true but I've been taught my whole upbringing is true and to do that it's it's very brave work because uh, you're told yeah. one but there's thing, a lot of Christians not doing that <laughs> you know and it's yeah. like I had asked questions my whole life like but I don't get it, but what about this? And I just been, okay, well, you're not supposed to know every answer. Uh, There's God's mysteries. Okay. Okay. And then things just didn't start adding up. And it was everything from like, I have a lot of gay family members, gay friends, fans. Like I love my gays. And I had a real hard time with church being like, Oh, but you can't be gay. Yeah. That's like, no, you go to hell. And it's like, "Mm, I don't know that I subscribe to that. I don't, I don't know that I agree with that anymore. Disconnect. And I start cutting ties. I start cutting ties with things that I no longer subscribe to and believe. And so for this, this season of my life that I'm in now, um, I am still a faithful person. 
I'm redefining what that looks like for me. So like when we were talking about praying, I used to think you pray one way. You say these words and it's usually like, yes, Lord and Father God, we just pray that, you know, you would come and help this person because they're going through a hard time right now and blah, 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 blah. In Jesus name. Amen. And that's how you have to pray. Like, that's what a prayer is. To me, now, a prayer is simply in the morning when I'm doing my yoga stretches and I'm like, thank you, God, that my body works. Mm -hmm. That's my prayer. And I'm just like, God, I just thank you for the creativity that's flowing out of me. And I start doing my affirmations like I am abundance, health, wealth, uh, creativity, love, kindness, generosity. I am abundance. And all of that is a prayer to me. Yeah. And even though I'm not saying it the way I was taught growing up. Yeah. So I'm still very faithful, but it just is being redefined right now. See, that's interesting. I, I think maybe part of the Catholic religion was so into um, forgiveness that it was like, I mean, the night the night before our big, big, we, have a, we had like a two-hour mass every one, once a year. It was like on a Friday, and they would give us, it was, it was, I mean, it was like until noon. Like fucking eight till noon. It was like maybe a four hour mass. It was a long fucking mass. Mm-hmm. And the night before, our goal was to sin as much as possible <laughs> so that we had something to talk about. And so, and so we would, I mean, I, like I've never had a problem sinning ever I, at ever. I've cursed, I've drank, I've cheated on all my girlfriends, never my wife, but uh, strip clubs, not never, never saw that. Like, I think, and I think that's the, the catholic coveting people oh right wanting what they have yeah i mean that's kind of what i like about instagram is to watch someone and be like god damn it man look how cool that looks (laughs) i've never had a problem with that i want a yacht like it's like it's like look man if it it's interesting because i know i think we've talked about this before um but you hopped off Instagram for a month at one point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you oh. were like, "You oh, were like, we did I'm, talk about it. you were like, I'm comparing myself to people that that's not fair." That was I, the same night I almost plucked your lucky eyelash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, and I always had a hard time with that because you know Dane is like when you I, I don't know what it's like for women. I don't really see that. I don't see that race um, with women or with at all. And, and and I I probably should, but but the race I was always in was like Dane Cook was like the fucking mm-hmm. king. Uh Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura. These guys were like all way ahead of me at different times of, of the race that you'd call it. But I always I enjoyed like when Dane got his house, his big house he lives in now. I remember reading it in the trades or something, like and I was like I, I, it inspired me. Like, I got mm. really into it. I was like, fuck, like, you can make that kind of money from stand up. Mm. Like, I remember, I remember, uh, Tom and I've always been very open about what we made, but I remember one time him explaining what he was making on something. I was like, that money's out there. Like, mm-hmm. that, I can strive to that. And with Joe, it's, I mean, clearly, I, I, I've taken the podcast theme, the, the, the business model he set up for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm certain there are people that, stomp their foot and go i don't like what he does mm-hmm. i don't like the way he does it or or oh come on he's not you know mm-hmm. well, look who he has on or whatever i've always looked at it as like that's so cool that you don't you're not beholden to anyone and you mm-hmm. get to do what you want to do mm-hmm. so i've always i've always looked at coveting as like a a, a if powered right like a like a positive hmm. and so i've always enjoyed coveting if that sounds 
horrible. I don't. I mean, it inspires you of what's possible. I don't. I don't yeah. know that that's necessarily coveting. Maybe it's not. I think. May I mean, we would have to look up the definition, but I, I feel like it's really you. Paulson, being you're inspired. like a fuck, you're like Christian, aren't you? Yeah, I grew up hardcore Christian. Um, you should know coveting. Come on. What's the def? Gerud? I don't even know what a Gerud. Gerund yeah, or present? Yearn to or- possess or have something. So I yearning to... So if you saw Dane's house and you're like, oh, I got to have it. Like that is... That's not how I felt. That I think that's what coveting is. Yeah, you're I don't yearning covet, for that I don't house. Covet, I don't covet. You are more like, that's what's possible? Shit, I want that. Yeah. Okay, so it's like it's like when... It, like, uh, do you ever... Uh, this is a weird... This is a weird comic only thing. Did you ever see like a... This is might be a male comic thing. Do you ever see like a fan in a meet and greet who's like a mess, uh-huh. and they've got a beautiful wife, and you're like, "How the fuck did he get her?" Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And totally. then you're like, "I'm so fascinated now by you because uh-huh. you got her. What the fuck yeah. happened here? Yeah, were you yeah. in a car accident, sir? Yeah. Like, <laughs> were you hit by a tractor? What happened? Like, but I don't covet. Like, I don't go like, oh, I want her. Like, I, yeah. And there are comics that covet. Uh huh. Sure, of course. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you. Well, I want to pivot. Okay. I want to talk to you about the fucking star rocket ride to success that you had. Yeah, because it's about it's it. really you know it's one of the it. There's a few things in comedy that are folklore. There's a few things things that you'll hear. Uh, the guy Chicken. You remember Chicken? Mm-mm. Chicken was a Chicken was a guy that. Uh, Michael Roof is his name. I'm, I'm really fascinated by him. I knew him, but uh, he was a guy that went to Montreal, got a big deal, and uh, and at like a five hundred thousand dollar deal, and they turned into this TV show hype, and then it it fizzled and it killed the deal, killed the development wow. deal. It destroyed Montreal's development deal process forever. Right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name a few more. Uh, Mitch Hedberg went to Montreal, did one set. Killed, they offered him $750,000, and Dave Becky put on him a flame and said, do not do stand-up in front of anyone ever again until we get this money and we get this deal. Like, And so, like, there's folklore. Uh, F- a Fluffy would go out, and he would do seven shows in Ontario, and then the next week come back and do nine shows in Ontario, and then the next week do nine shows in Ontario. Um, there are certain folklores of, of this business where you talk about someone, uh, Jeff Garcia would would sell ten thousand dollars worth of CDs. He would print them in the back, and then he'd sell ten. Like there's uh, Pablo Francisco's line for merch was a mile long. Like there's these folklores, and your folklore is probably the most. I say the word. I hope I'm using the word meteoric, meaning it was it was like a meteor taking off. You did. Oh shit! Hold on, my wife's getting a cat. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is that the cat you want? Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Yep. I want to see the cat. Hang on one second. I'm going to show it to Angela. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's my wife. Oh, that's Isla, but Isla's Leanne's on the other side. So, are we? Is that is that a, is that cat? Are are we happy, Isla? All right, perfect. I'll see you guys in a little while. Okay, thanks. Love you. Oh, I love that. 
That is special. Um, Bert's allergic to cats. That's why he's got that tone going on right now. Yeah. You're allergic, but you have cats? We have, we have, so we have. <laughs> this is ruining a great introduction to a great moment on a podcast. <laughs> we have our cat, Gus, who because Leanne has to live with the cats. So we got Gus. And this other cat, Shirley, started coming by our house a lot. And, and we contacted its owner and he said oh no it's just an outdoor cat it doesn't come in our house and so we were like there's coyotes here yeah so we put in a cat door in our garage and now it lives with at all our house Aww. lives in our garage and then uh and then isla asked for a cat to live in her bedroom and uh and and uh and i'm learning to be a better parent Oh, you're it's, very it's generous. A process. It's a process. When yeah, you listen, Daddy when, can't breathe, but sure. Yeah. When you when you light up comedians and say there's no growth in them, and and you say that every, a word they said seven years ago, uh, they on. they have to stand by it today. Uh-huh. Bullshit. As a father, I've grown more in a year and a half as a human being uh-huh. than you could ever ever fucking imagine. And I'm oh, and yeah. I'm and you may hear the tone of my voice. The tone of my voice. I'm not there totally, but it's a, it's a work. I'm a work in progress. I'm right there with you. Back to the folklore it was the videotape of of you of of your one bit that was mm-hmm. i mean ju- that was i will say undeniable everyone cried laughing and then and then it was the same story it was like she did 10 shows in ontario she did two weeks back to back in ontario she had to add out shows and when i met you i have to share this with you okay this is a moment oh, this is a fucking moment i met you backstage at the ryman you were doing a sold-out show at the Ryman, mm-hmm. and I was sitting with Ari Shafir and Nate Bargatze, and I said, to God, God, I'm not a picky guy. I got one bit, the machine bit. It's good. Like, I also can do stand-up. I can also fill an hour. If, you, if you're telling me right now, God, that I can come to play at this place and tell the machine story, I'll tell the machine story every fucking time. I don't give a fuck. If you want to give me the opportunity for that one bit to go viral and then me if i if that would give me this opportunity i'll take it in a heartbeat god and i'm doing three shows at the ryman in two months and and i'm angela i'm being dead serious when i say is it i I remember distinctly watching you perform and go and you were amazing on stage you you. had all this fucking new material a brand new hour i hadn't seen and then of course you accommodate the fans and i thought i was like i it changed i mean like there's a few moments in stand-up that you get where you where you look at what someone's got and it's not coveting it's me going like it's inspirational yeah and uh and and i will tell the rhyme in three times i will tell the machine three times at the rhyme and i have no fucking problem with that but Thank what you. was that like that was one set at the ice house that when did you know oh shit this is going viral thank you um well let's see i'll tell you exactly so it's the whole story is um i took a joke writing stand-up comedy class at a church no a free class at a church. Are you serious? It was Tuesday nights. It was their creative arts night. So there was like acting class, dance class. And I did uh, joke writing, stand-up comedy. And um, Did you want to be a comedian? No. I didn't want to be a comedian. I was in the acting class and we would do improv games and I was funny. So the woman, Lisa Alvarado, was teaching a class. And she was like, do you want to come take my joke writing class? Shut the fuck up. And I was like, I don't know, is it free? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, I guess I'll take it then. I'm like, I do this like nail salon character. I'm sure I could make that into a joke. And she was like, oh, nail salon jokes are so hacky. Everybody has one. I would just steer clear of nail salon jokes. 
And I was like, yeah, but I don't think they do it like me. I'll just do it anyways. And that was one of the first jokes that I wrote was this nail salon bit in my was, free joke writing class at a church. It was undeniable. I mean, I remember I remember where I was when I watched it. I remember crying, laughing, going, who the fuck is this? And they were like, she sold out the whole weekend in Ontario. She's and 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 what was that like going how much what how much money were you making at the time? At the time that went viral, what was your income looking like? Uh, I know you had zero. been a, you had been a, <clears throat> a, a raiderette. Yeah, so I started as a raiderette back when I was living in San Jose. I take you all the way back. Take me so, all the way back. All the way back. Uh, I told you I was doing drugs. I was living this life, that life. I went to high school. I was depressed in high school. I went to like four different high schools because I would just kept dropping out because I was sad. I was depressed, and um. My uh, my senior year, I ended up graduating miraculously. I probably should not have graduated, but I, w I had a good personality. My teachers liked me, so they just passed me is what it was. Yeah. And um, I am at this place in my life. I don't know what I want to do with my life. Um, and I had this desire in my heart to be an actress, but I would never say it out loud because I was ashamed because it was like, where do you be an actress in San Jose? You don't like me saying I want to be an actress seems so far-fetched i might as well say i want to be a princess like that's what it felt like no yeah so it's shameful so i'm like let me tuck that away in my heart and never tell that because that's embarrassing so let me just tuck that away and i would just like go to the movies be mad that i wasn't in it and i would like watch training day and be like i could totally do this like if somebody just told me how to get in the movie i could totally stand by that car i just don't know where the car is parked somebody tell me where it is this is the same person <clears throat> struggling with identity as a child oh yeah clearly fall, falls right in line to be an actress yeah exactly I mean, really honestly yeah. yeah so i am at this place and i'm like what do i do with my life i'm going to junior college at the time and um i have a friend of a friend who moved to la and she was in a ross commercial she was in an in-sync music video and so to me, that was like, oh, my God, I know somebody who's famous. Like, this is crazy. All you need, by the way, if you're listening, all you need is that one friend. Yeah. One friend with a couch to sleep on. One friend with an Bruh. idea. One friend with a manager friend That's they right. can introduce. One friend with one dinner they can take you to. Yes. And that is it sometimes. I called her and I, she's the only person that I confided in. Hey, I want to do what you're doing. And she was like, well, if you move out here to L.A., I'll help you get started and I'll help show you the ropes. So now this far-fetched fantasy was becoming more of an actual attainable dream that I could actually go after. Yeah. So around this same time, I had a friend that I grew up with. She, I ran into her and she's like, hey, I'm a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. You should come try out. And I was like, oh, no, it's not really my style. I grew up competitive cheerleading, stunts, tumbling, like flipping in the air, like all yeah. that kind of stuff. And Raiderettes is more like pretty, show your cleavage, shake your pom-poms, like that. And and dance, like technical dancing, pirouettes. I don't know any of that stuff. So I was like, oh, it's not really my jam. And then I started thinking about it. I started to pray about it. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I am going to try out for the Oakland Raiders to be a Raiderette. And if I make the squad, I'm going to take that as my sign to pursue the entertainment industry. And I will do it for one year and then I'll move to L.A. and I'll I'll chase my dreams. But if I don't make the squad, I'm taking this as my sign that the entertainment industry is not for me. Yeah, I'm not going to be an actress. I'm going to go be like a massage therapist or something like that because I'm real good at giving massages. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go do that. So I drove to Oakland by myself. There's 700 girls at this audition and I made it past the first round. Then the second round, you have to learn a dance. 
And I remember there's like 300 girls now. We're in this huge banquet room at like some convention center. And uh, the choreographer is on stage with her Britney Spears microphone. And she's like doing all the counts for us, like teaching us this routine. And I have no like technical training, but I, I have personality and I have sass. Yeah. I have rhythm. I can move. I can uh-huh. dance. But I don't know how to exactly do what you just did. So I was working. I'm doing all the hair flips. I'm like, let me just sell it with attitude because I have no idea what I'm doing. And a choreographer like pauses the music and she gets off the stage and she like weaves her way through the crowd and she comes up to me and she's like, clearly you have no dance training, but you have something that cannot be taught. No. I've held down to that compliment for like 20 years. Like that is the best backhanded compliment I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was just, I, I heard what I needed to hear out of that. And I was like, thank you. Like that, That's- she saw it, you know? Anyway, so I make the squad. And my first thought when they call my number that I had made the squad, I'm going to be one of the, the Oakland Raiderette cheerleaders. My thought was not, oh my God, I'm going to be a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. My thought was, oh my God, I'm going to be an actress. This is my sign. This, this is, is all I need. sign. This is the path. So I cheered for one year. We went to the Super Bowl that year. It was against Tampa Bay in San Diego. Oh my God. That's when that was? Yes. I just moved to, I just moved to LA. I was living in LA. I'd done a TV show and, uh, and I was, I know exactly what year that was. Can I just tell you what I think is so hilarious about this? You, you had every guy you ever dreamed of when you wanted to be the bad girl was fantasizing about you in those stands. <laughs> every guy with a rest record, a face tattoo, <laughs> five, five kids, and they were like, God, man, if I could get only in her. Little did they know, they, that was all your type sitting in the stands. They they missed their shot if they would have caught Fuck. me like seven years ago, Fuck. bro. God, so so then you you went to the Super Bowl. So we got Bucks to the Super win. Bowl. It was embarrassing. Um, I drive home from the Super Bowl. I excuse me. I fly home from the Super Bowl. I immediately pack up my room, and the very next weekend after the Super Bowl, I loaded up my station wagon that my mom had handed down to me, and I drove to L.A. And I started you're, you're 20, from the ground up. You're 20 how old? I'm 20. Oh, my God. And I started as an extra on Friends. That was my very first job in the entertainment industry. And my friend, Sandra, who said, I'll help you get started. I'll help show you the ropes. When I got here, she, I mean, I had no money. She was giving me all her hand-me-down clothes, her shoes, like everything. I lived off of all of her hand-me-downs. So she tells me, okay, I'm going to have you go sign up to be an extra but um, when you get there, there's going to be a line of people waiting to sign up to be an extra. I don't want you to wait in line. I want you to go up to the front window. I want you to ask for a guy named Sam. I want you to bring your Raiderette headshot and a tray of cookies. Give him the cookies and your headshot and just tell him you're new to town and you want to be an extra. That's it. And I'm like, okay, this sounds real sleazy, like all those casting couches I've heard about. And yeah. I don't know if I like this idea. But she's like, just trust me, go do that. So I go, sure enough, she's right, line of people waiting to sign up to be an extra. So I go in, go to the window. Excuse me, I'm here for Sam. All right, he'll be right out. This guy comes walking out from the back office wearing a Raiders hat. And I was like, hi, um, I'm new to town. Here's my headshot. Immediately, Raiders, no way. We had just come off the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And clearly he's a big Raider fan. So he was like, oh my God, no way. Yeah, let's get you signed up, blah, blah, whatever. Maybe like a week goes by and he calls me and is like, 
do you want to be an extra on Friends? And I was like, my favorite show of all time? Yeah. Yeah, I do yeah, want to yeah, be an yeah, extra on Friends. Doubt. Thank you so much. Yes, let's do that. So um, did you ever do extra work when you got started? Uh, is this picture you, by the way? Is that Yeah, that's me being nice. an extra on Friends in the background. I don't know if I ever did extra work. I don't think I did. So basically to join the union, the SAG union. Oh, I definitely didn't go about it that way. It was SAG AFTRA. Yeah. Oh no, let me rephrase that. I absolutely know I did not do extra work. I was cast in a sitcom pretty quickly. Okay. So yeah, so I never I never did extra work. Okay. So to be an extra, you get a voucher to get paid, Mm -hmm. or you can get a SAG voucher. And if you collect three SAG vouchers, then you can join the SAG union. So um and also to get a SAG voucher, you have to be in the SAG union. So it's like a whole catch 22 thing. So anyways, the guy, Sam, put me in the computer system as a SAG extra. So I immediately, in my first three days of extra work, oh, wow. I got my vouchers so that I could join the union. So I end up making friends with um, the second AD on Friends. His name is Carlos Pinero. He's very funny. He's Latino. I'm Latina. He's funny. I'm funny. And he's like, you know, I'm going to bring you back tomorrow because now we just make each other laugh. Yeah. So he brings it back tomorrow. I'm going to bring it back next week. I'm going to bring it back next week. Next thing you know, I'm an extra on Friends for season nine and 10. Wow. That's how I went grocery shopping with craft service table every week. I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, there's my groceries. Like, yeah. that's how I lived off of being an extra. And that's how I got my start. Um, that my friend was like, I'll help you get started. So anyway, so I'm I'm doing this. I'm an extra. And then I moved to stand-in. Then I get my first like, little co-star role on a TV show. And um, I'm starting to progress. I'm booking commercials here and there. And um, it's like things are like looking up. And then as things do, start looking down. And you don't book anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm on unemployment. And now my unemployment checks have run out. So now I have no money. And so now I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, okay, I got to go home because I have no money to pay my rent to pay my bills i have nothing i have no agent i have nothing in my life saying hey look you're on the right track everything is showing me you tried but this wasn't for you did you feel the racism in hollywood the inherent like oh you're a uh you're a a latina actress oh we're looking for a more of a white did you ever feel that at all i didn't feel that it was more so just I was always the, in case we go in another direction, girl, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. we want it for this person, but in case we don't, let's see a couple of sassy girls, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, I was auditioning in that <clears throat> racist period when they were just booking white people and still never got anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even use my privilege to my benefit. <laughs> they were only looking at white guys to be a sitcoms. And I was like fucking failing left and right. <laughs> I never booked. I I booked things on development deals. I never booked anything off an audition. I take that back. I booked the shield off an audition. <gasps> I booked the shield for real. Oh my god, let's tell that story. So wait, okay, wait. We, I want to okay. finish this story, but let me tell the shield. Uh, the shield pull story? us up on secret on who we played on the shield. Okay, so wait. Let me finish. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I do I finish or do I tell the shield story? No, no. I don't know. What's like, this story? Is, the one I'm gonna finish is a long one. Tell me the shield story. Okay. Okay. And then I'll tell you my shield story and then we'll go back. So I, I want to get, I want to talk about being broke, being low. Yeah. I love those moments. Yeah. And then skyrocketing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's what, yeah. I'm sending that one up. 
Okay, so By the um, way, I feel skinny right now, and I know I'm not, but I feel skinny. Like I feel like a skinny person would feel sitting in a chair, and I know I don't look like that. But I want you to know, just if you don't see that, <laughs> take your glasses off and watch you this. You know, yeah. blink a couple more times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had the a shield. fake resume. Okay. All lies on my resume, because. You, one, you have to resume to get an audition, mm -hmm. but if you don't have credits put on a resume, how do you, what do you do? So I lied. I just put a whole bunch of lies on my resume. And then I go, type in casting director of the <clears throat> shield too. keep going. I, uh, I go to, um, I get an audition. My fake resume gets me a real audition for the shield. And I'm standing there in front of the casting director and she's reading my resume and she's like, wow, you were on CSI Miami. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And she goes, that's funny because I cast that show. I don't remember you. And you're like. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. I go, huh. That's so funny. I don't remember you either. Hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. So she let me audition anyway. And that's the role that I book. So this is like at this point, this is my first co-star role that I actually auditioned for that I booked. I'm playing a homeless teenager trying to bum a cigarette off a detective. Yeah. So I'm full on like I'm about to win an Oscar for this. Like this is about to be my moment. Like, let's go. I have about four lines to say, but I thought I was about to win every award. And um, <clears throat> so the day the episode aired, I had a premiere party at my house because, of course. Yeah. And all my friends are there. And I know that my scene is the very last scene of the episode. I was aware of that. Because I think it's saved the best for last is how it works in Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. What I've heard. So um, anyways, we're all sitting there with my friends. We're watching the show. And then I can see the part. Like, there, there I am right there. And then here comes a detective. And so I'm telling my friends, like, okay, here's my part, you guys. Here's my part. And then next thing you know, the 10 o'clock news comes up on the little corner. And the credits start rolling. And they cut my part. They cut you out entirely? They cut my part. And you're like, here I come, here I come. And then. And then it was like, uh, a police chase in Van Nuys goes awry and ends oh in death. God. And I'm like, wait, how are you going to hear my lines if they're already telling you the 10 o'clock news? I don't understand how this works. Oh my Yeah, they cut God. my part. Well, I wish they'd cut my part. <clears throat> oh, my God. So. <laughs> so hold on. Hit pause. So hit pause. So I get told. I get told, I'll let you watch my part, and then I'll, I'll let you watch my scene. Okay. And then I'll and then I'll tell you what happened, which was a nightmare. Okay. Doesn't look like he's bird watching. Hang on, pal. What's up? You want to tell me what you're doing back here? Oh, just now. Check the occupant. Turn around. Hands behind your back. Oh, I, I have permission. Hands behind no. your back. Sorry to bother you, sir. We just apprehended a man looking through your window. Yo, girl. It's all good. Dude with her. What's wrong? Honey, tell them to take these off of me. Do you know this man? Married to him long enough. He's your husband. I told you. Look, no one's breaking the law here, officer. We're just playing. Right. Role playing on the way to work with our friend. All right, you can hit pause. So I was playing a cuck. <laughs> I didn't even have to read for it. <clears throat> I walked in the room and they're like, that's our guy. Really? <laughs> Google the term cuck if you need to. 
because I'm another man, who, a man who watches other men fuck his wife. Oh. And I walked in. They're like, oh, he's that's him. And I was like, do you need me to read? And they're like, nope, you got it. And I went, oh, fucking cool. I was like, what's the because I thought I just got arrested. I didn't uh-huh. say the whole scene. And I was like, I just played a DWTP officer. I get arrested. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get the sides. And I get there and I'm like, wait, I'm so confused. Am I? My wife's in there and she's who's she fucking? And then I meet the I go, she's fucking this big black guy. I go. And then I'm the guy that what? And I was like, I didn't even have to read for this. I just look like a guy <laughs> who would pay a big black guy to fuck my wife. And I was like, motherfucker. So we do the day. We do the day. And I want to be good. Right. So I. I hey, find out who I don't know if you're ever going to find out who played that part. And don't don't light her up. I don't want to get her upset. But. I they pop, they pull up in the car. You saw that scene where I, uh-huh. I'm looking in the window. Yeah. And I'm playing with myself. I'm uh-huh. touching my my uh-huh. junk. And the female actress goes, wait, wait, stop. What what is he doing? Like I don't know if she had read the whole script or not. And they were like, cut. And the director came up and he's like, is there a problem? She's like, he's touching himself. He's masturbating. And I was like, I'm did I read this fucking script wrong? <laughs> and I was like, I thought that the, and he, she was like, she was they were like yeah okay okay she's like well this is like be professional and and, or something to that effect and i was like i was like all right so they pull her off to first position and the director pulls me aside he's like don't worry about her he's like listen i like your choice michael chiklis was with him and he was like i like your choice uh he's like you know what we're gonna do we're gonna shoot some b-roll of you doing that and then when we call action don't do it again so that we don't bother her just just play it play it like you didn't touch yourself but we're going to do some shots of you playing with yourself. Is that cool? And I was like, fuck yeah. And I'm like, good. They applaud my decision. My, my choice is an actor. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you know, action. Let's see it. And so I'm in the window and I'm like playing with myself. And all of a sudden I'm like, it's pretty long. Like how long are they going to? And then I'm like, are they just sitting behind the camera going, let's see if he has an orgasm. <laughs> let's just see how long he goes. And so then they cut it. They bring her in. I, I do. I think they use a B-roll clip of me touching myself or something. Uh-huh. And then... We shot the, the rest of the scene, and uh, and that woman did not like me. She Ew. did not like me. She did not like me. What a turd. Eh, you know what? Be she professional. Was, I am, ma'am. I'm I, an I actor. Like, I like, yeah, I was like, what do you do when you see, like, sec-? like I was like, whatever. I don't, I don't, I, I, that was my first, like, legit booked an acting role, and uh, and I'm sure she's fucking doing fine now, but, like, I, I like, I, I remember being made super uncomfortable on the set. I'm sorry. And, and the other thing that happened was, uh, well, no, I don't want to call her out because that's a, like I'm not call out culture. So like, yeah. but everyone's allowed to make mistakes. I'm sure right now sure. she would be like, she would be like, hey, first of all, your maybe my hand was in my pants. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Like, but uh, <laughs> but she did not like me. She definitely didn't like me because I was I was we were pregnant at the time, and I knew we were having a girl. And I was like, she was like, I made a joke about having a girl, and she got really offended by that. Oh my gosh, she yeah. just didn't want nothing. She to wouldn't do remember you. me. She wouldn't remember me for anything. But, uh, or she can't stop thinking about you. <laughs> by the way, I'll just put her in something. I'll put her in something now. Yeah. Um, Can you put me in something? Please. Yeah, please. I'll, t- I'll talk to you off air. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 100%. The, um, but so go back to, oh, yeah. go back okay. to, go back to the. The perfect, story, perfect. the taking out. Okay. So at this point in my life, on unemployment. My unemployment checks had run out. It's time to go home. Everything in my life is like, you tried, but this wasn't for you. Let's go home. The only reason why I stayed 
was for two reasons. One, my sister was sending me money to pay my rent and she would send me gift certificates to the grocery store so that I could get food to eat. And she was like my biggest cheerleader. She was like, older don't give younger. up. Older, uh-huh. three years older than me. But she's like, don't you give up. Just keep trying. So it was her as well as I had this feeling in my spirit, in my gut, that was like God was telling me I'm not done yet. Yeah. Just I know things look bad, but hold on because I'm not done yet. Right. So this is um, 2007. Right. I have nothing going on. I took the class in 2006. I got I have to do this. I have to figure out where I was in 2007. Okay. George born. George, I, I was one years old. We were living in. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That would, of course, that would track. Yeah. So 2006 is when I took the class. It's also when I filmed that set at the ice house that ended up going viral. 2006 later. It was 2006. So Thank you. <clears throat> I did 2006, a, uh, a set at the ice house and it was, Hey, there's this company. This is when flip phones were happening. There's this company that, um, they're going to record you and they're going to upload it to Verizon wireless and people can download comedy clips for a dollar 99 and they can watch comedy clips on Verizon and they'll pay you 25 bucks. So I signed this little paper. They gave me my 25 bucks. I was like, thank you. I need some groceries because I'm poor. And I did my set and then went home. And that was that. Well, next thing you know, this brand new thing called YouTube comes out. So they're like, oh, we're not going to upload it to Verizon anymore. We're going to put it on this new thing called YouTube. Right? I was at the Tampa Improv when I heard that pitch. I wonder if we heard it from the same guy. I, but like I, Probably. I, I was at the Tampa Improv when I, I don't remember who said it. It was another comic. And he was like, hey, man, have you heard about this Verizon thing where they'll give you money to put their clips on their phones? And I was like. You th- you're telling me one day people are going to watch comedy on their phone. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm going to pass, buddy. I'm going to wait yeah, until I get a special. That's what? Good like luck. The interweb. Yeah. yeah. And so <clears throat> so you did it. It goes on. So, yeah. So it, they didn't end up putting it on Verizon. They were going to put on a new thing called YouTube. But I don't know about that yet. I just walk away from the ice house and I don't even think about that anymore. I got my 25 bucks. That's all I needed. So now cut to 2007. Nothing going on. No money. uh, No opportunities. And so I turn this time into I was calling it my downtime because I had nothing in my life happening. And I was like, let me turn this into my like pursuing God time. And let me like do my journaling, my praying, my reading and like really get close to God in this time because that's mm-hmm. all I have is God right now. So during this time, this is January 2007, all of a sudden the brand new thing called YouTube happens and um, I start getting phone calls from like family members. Like I remember my cousin, Christy, she worked for some computer company and she called me and was like, hey, there's an email going around my whole work and it's a video of you. And I was like, girl, what video? Like, what are you talking about? And she's like, it's you doing your stand-up comedy about the nail salon. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I filmed that last year. They were going to put on Verizon, but I guess they put on YouTube. Oh, okay. Started getting phone calls like that from people. Next thing you know, this is MySpace days. I check my MySpace and my MySpace page is blown up. Just thousands and thousands of messages, friend requests from all over the world. Hey, when are you coming to perform in Australia, the Philippines, New Zealand, Ohio, Atlanta? No manager at the time, right? So it's like nobody knew how to get a hold of me. So I was getting messages from network executive assistants. Hey, I'm the assistant to so-and-so at CBS. I'm the assistant to so-and-so at Fox, ABC, 
uh, this production company, that production company. I'm an assistant to so-and-so. They would like to meet with you. I'm getting these messages on MySpace because that's how people could find me. Oh, no, there's a, there's a fear. There's a fear that you're the guy that invented Coke and then sells the recipe for $25. You know, like there's a fear that uh, I'm, I'm getting a panic. I know it turns out okay, but I'm getting a panic for you for not having representation, not getting these offers, not getting the opportunities that are about to be presented was that panic in you like like the the panic in me was more I was overwhelmed because I was getting all these messages and I had appointments now to go meet with these people and I didn't even own a calendar at the time. So I had to go to Staples and like buy a calendar to like make appointments because I'm like, oh, I have to go meet NBC this day. Then I have to go to Fox this day. And I remember going to these meetings and they're being like, you know, like pastries and whatever like have whatever you want and I'm like wait I can eat these and just being like who do I think I am like this little Mexican girl like what business do I have being in this waiting room at NBC with this suit being like yeah we saw your video is funny here's this script can you um we're casting this pilot can you read this part I don't know anything about cold reading or saying like oh, can I have some time to coach on it and then come back and read for you? I'm just like, oh, okay, sure. <clears throat> um, Not knowing anything and just like trying to read them because I'm like, well, I don't know what to do in these situations. So I ended up getting a meeting everywhere. I ended up getting an agent. Um, I got uh, TJ Mark Walter. Uh, he's the motherfucker. I that guy, let me TJ. tell you something. Let me take two seconds to say, celebrate TJ Mark Walter. That love guy- him. That guy has a fucking eye. If you love a comic, he has represented him. He is a he has an eye. I love TJ so much. I sat next to him on a plane one time, and I was drunk, and, and I, I had a great. He's the sweetest guy. He's the greatest guy, and God damn it, he's good. Keep going. I'm sorry. I just want to no. celebrate good, yeah. good people in Hollywood. Never fuck people over. Never fucking great name in Hollywood. The only thing you can say about him that's a slide is he's not a snake in the grass. <laughs> and you know what's funny is I remember hearing from club owners like they would tell me, oh, I love working with TJ. Like he's not a shark like all these other guys. He's not this and that. And I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that my agent like is like the nice one. <laughs> and then I was like, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So am I not getting paid enough? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, there's a, there, 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 I, th- I think that's an old reputation on TJ these days. <laughs> but like that was the old reputation is yeah. like, He's so easy to work with. And you're yeah. like, and you're like, was that good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> but he was great. He took me on when I had 12 minutes of material. So keep in mind at this time when all these networks want to meet with me and everybody's like, when are you coming to perform in Australia? I have 12 minutes of stand up comedy material that I wrote in a free class at a church. So when TJ took me on, I'm not a headliner. I'm not even a feature. I have 12 minutes of material and he's now representing me and getting me gigs at comedy clubs. And the way it started was I had to grow my material. So we would put like eight comics up in front of me. I would be the ticket, the name on the ticket. And then eight comics would go up and I would just close the show. And would you, and would you get the, would you get the, the lion's share of the money? Yes, but it wasn't a lot at the time. Yeah. But then, and I was doing like different deals and I got taken advantage of a lot, just like things that I didn't know before I had a road manager. I remember one of the uh, managers at the San Jose Improv. He's not there anymore. He doesn't even work for the Improvs anymore. I know who he is though. 
older military guy. Nope, I don't know who it is though. Okay, long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, what is his name? Anyway, um, I was real cool with him. I really enjoyed him, and um, I remember one time, uh, Joe Coy was there performing, and I came to visit. I was saying hi, and we were joking. I think that morning Joe had like, um, I think like his his machine that he sleeps with wasn't working so he didn't wake up for his press or like something happened Wait, joe coy has been an old man for 20 years <laughs> joe coy joe coy is first of all you know why it's because every fucking filipino is a nurse and someone <laughs> pulled him aside and said sleep apnea is bad you need to fix this yeah. and, but he's been on that sleep machine for fucking 20 goddamn years i need to do that fucking sleep machine maybe you should that should be your next machine joke is the sleep machine but <laughs> so <laughs> it's something like he missed his press or something. I don't know what happened. I was just there visiting him at, at his show and we made a joke about it. It was me, Joe, and the manager was standing right there and we made a joke about him missing his press. Yeah. Well, apparently that manager went back to his agents, Joe's agents or something, and said, Angela Johnson told me that Joe Coy... um like he was out like partying or like made up some lie that I said. And then I remember Joe calling me and being like, did you tell the manager at the improv that I missed my press because of this? And I was like, what? No, like, and I, I was reminded, I'm like, do you remember when we were walking out and we all made that joke about you missing press? That's the only time I ever talked about it when we all said that joke. So if he ran with that, Anyway, so he was a little bit shady, that guy. And he was so nice to me. But I remember they all were it came. I had a, a bonus deal at the time. Right. OK, so, can we do numbers? I want to know what your bonus was. So it was I mean, at a sellout, you get like an extra couple thousand dollars or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah. OK, my bonuses were I love sharing numbers. My 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 best like my deal that I remember the most was I think it was two thousand guaranteed, maybe three thousand guaranteed and a thousand dollars bonus at sellout pater comped because i could comp out the i could paper a room very easily okay if i did press i get them to paper a room uh-huh. and it was and but it was uh early early friday and saturday didn't count it was late friday late saturday sunday and thursday and so like i might i remember if i walked out with like six grand i murdered that weekend mm-hmm. and that's when i was like i am i can do this for a living and send children to college I can get us a house one day. Yeah. But yeah, but keep going. I'm sorry. I don't remember what exactly my deals Well, yeah, because were. you didn't languish in it. You just went. Yes. Like we, I lived in that for like, for fucking, I mean. Do you ever stop and take a look around at your life and think about how many things you're paying for on a daily basis? Just like a look at your house and your, and your car and your phones and your kids and your meals. And, and then think about your future. And when you do that, life insurance makes total sense, especially when it's term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a little each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question right now, choose Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just need a few minutes, a phone, a laptop, either of them will work, and that's how you apply. Ladder's smart algorithm works in real time. So you will find out instantly if you're approved. If you prefer to talk to a person, their team of licensed agents does not work on commission so they can help you and not help sell you. That's so fucking great. No hidden fees canceled at any time. Get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days and Ladder's policies 
are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They are rated A and A plus by AM Best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross this off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash BERT today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash BERT. Ladderlife.com slash BERT. Today's show is brought to you not by not only Huel, but a hilarious story. My favorite nutritionally complete food. Every Huel meal contains the 27 essential vitamins and minerals, protein, healthy fats, and fiber I need in a single meal. And right now, we have their mac and cheese. Leanne had it the other day and was like, and was like, oh my God, I just had this little Huel thing. And I'm not, I haven't had to eat like all day. I said, yeah, it's, it's a fucking meal. She goes, what? I told her, I said, it's one of my favorite ones. Huel's mac and cheese has all the nutrients your body needs. 27 essential vitamins and minerals. And it's only 400 calories. But 400 calories to Leanne Kreischer is a straight up meal. The woman didn't eat half the day and was like, I'm just going to have Huel. I told her, I said, you're getting more protein than four eggs. All the vitamin C that an orange has. And more calcium than yogurt. More potassium than a banana. And in one bowl of Huel mac and cheese, that's everything. It only takes five minutes to make for your lunch. All you got to do is just add hot water and you can make it in the free on-the-go pot that you get in your first order. You can take it wherever. It's just like they've made this super healthy fast food. Everyone needs Huel. Mac and cheese is what you need in your life right now, especially if you're super busy and you're a mac and cheese lover like myself. So, so delicious and creamy. You will not be able to tell that it's plant-based. Huel has a whole range of these meals that are perfectly balanced with all the nutrients your body needs. They've got a bunch of flavors like they got Mexican chili, the Thai green curry, and again, all nutritionally complete and made in five minutes or less. I love how easy it is, and it just fits into my routine, especially when I have a busy day like today, and I've got podcast, podcast, interview, interview, then drive to ADR, come home. I, literally, I don't have time to, and I and then you look at the fridge, you're like, what the fuck do I eat? Boom, one Huel, you got everything taken care of. You got to try it. I'm partnering with Huel to give all my listeners a free t-shirt, a free on-the-go pot, and free shipping on their first order. Go to Huel.com slash Burt to take advantage of this offer. Supporting my sponsors helps me make this show for you. So show Huel some love. Claim your free t-shirt, get your free on-the-go pot, and free shipping on your first order at Huel.com slash Burt. That's H-U-E-L dot com slash Burt. I uh, was doing the San Jose Improv. It seats 450 people. Yeah. And I was on a, a deal. Good payday. Oh, where those days. At 450, you, you sell out, you get your couple thousand dollar bonus, whatever, right? So um, I remember closing out with a manager, and he was like, ah, you were at 446. So close. And me, naive, I go, oh, man, so close. Let's go to the next show. Ah. 4.42, so close. Dang it, man, I almost got my bonuses this weekend, right? I remember telling that story like right after it happened, maybe like, I don't know, within the year or something, I r ran into Fluffy and I was telling him the story. And he goes, so why didn't you buy your seven tickets? And I go, what? And he goes, if your seven tickets are gonna cost you a couple hundred bucks to get your couple thousand dollar bonus why don't you just buy those seven tickets and i yeah. was like i didn't know i could do that the fact that he 
didn't tell me like this manager wouldn't just. So then cut to a different improv at the time. It was um, Ontario Improv. Um, I forget the manager's name at the time, I know it but is. he goes, uh, same kind of thing. You're at uh, 438, but I'm going to give you a bonus anyway. I'm going to give you a bonus every show. I'm going to give you a bonus anyway. You're so close. I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, I want you to come back and play my club. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's how this works. What an asshole. This guy, because I had four tickets shy, he wouldn't give me my bonus. He knew what he was doing. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, th this is the rub I always got. I wouldn't be shocked if he wrote down on paper he gave you your bonus and took it for himself. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that until right now. Oh, that my God. really happens. 2009. Let's go back and check. I'm just, I don't even know I, what I, I, that, that, uh, There was this shady part of that where you had to have someone with you to do head counts. Oh, then I, yeah. And of course, get, I wise then, up after and, that. And then you get, now, here's the thing is you get great club managers who I remember a guy named Doc who ran the Dayton Funny Bone, and he pulled me aside and he said, it's a good show tonight. And I said, sold out? And he goes, no. And I go, it looks sold out. And he goes, let me explain to you what sold out is. Sold out is every seat taken. Every seat taken. And I was like, okay. And he goes, see there's people sitting forwards? And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you see any, anyone sitting backwards? I was like, no. And he goes, they have to be sitting backwards also for it to sell out. Oh my and God. I went, oh. And he was like, go through. And he goes, and he goes, if you ever walk on stage and you don't, and you see a seat that is empty, that's not a sellout. And I went, okay. And so I'd go and I'd I'd see like if I saw a cluster of eight tables free, I would fucking be livid. Cause I'd be like, God damn it. But a lot of what they were were people bought the tickets and didn't show up. They'd oversell the room. They'd oversell yeah. the room. And so I've I, I I never really once you get to it, once you start that that bonus structure is horseshit yeah, once yeah. you get to a percentage yeah. deal then game over but back to that manager who was a jerk to me um my last time working with him i i remember i did the san jose improv we sold out eight shows the whole weekend was like fire and then the very next week i did pittsburgh improv where i sold 17 tickets Listen, I'm not hot everybody, er, everywhere. Not everybody loves me. Wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I went from eight sold out shows at the Improv Theater in San Jose, 450 seats, to 17 tickets in Pittsburgh. And uh, I was like, ooh, rude awakening. Okay, stay humble, girl. And uh, I remember getting there and doing my sound check. And I'm me wherever I go. I don't yell at people. I don't diva nothing. I'm, I'm just me everywhere. And after we do our sound check and everything, we're in the green room. Can we get you anything? No, I'm good. Thank you so much. Then uh, the waitress goes, wow, you're nothing like the email San Jose sent over. And I go, I'm sorry? Um, can you forward me that email, please? And then later on, she realized she effed up. And she was like, ah, oh, they deleted it. They don't have it. Yeah. I, I had I had one of those emails sent uh Toledo they pulled me I I've told the story on this podcast recently they pulled me aside at the end of the night and they're like hey well, you want to come to bar Louie and have a drink the owner Jeff and uh and the and the bar manager at the time I can't remember him I think it was Colleen and they said do you want to uh come over and have a drink over bar Louie and I said yeah and I sat down and they're like man you're nothing like the like the email what's his name sent and I went what and they go like, we got the email about what it's how bad it is to work for you with you. 
that you shit on walls and you throw up on walls and you'll shit on the couch. You didn't do any of that. And I was like, who sent that email? And they told me and I went, all right. And so I was like, hey, we need to have a fucking conversation with the Funny Bone Collective. And that that needs to be rectified. And uh-huh. then that, that guy was like, no, I never sent that email. I was like, okay. Uh, okay. But I like the guy. I like the guy enough. And I, I can see him sending the email. I, I, it didn't affect my career. It didn't affect anything. And 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 it became a funny story because Segura thought sure. it was the funniest thing he's ever heard in his fucking life. <laughs> he's like, they sent an email that you shit on beds and throw up on walls? And I was like, I guess. I don't fucking know. Oh so, my God. But yeah, that um, it's funny. I was thinking when you're telling this, there's a there's a side of us always wants to. There's a thing that happens when you're when when you have a little bit of success, where you you want to uh, I don't know the right word, but you want to tell everyone what you thought of them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so not beneficial because even in all those fucked up things, I think fondly very fondly of all my experiences at all the clubs like even when shit went wild and i and they thought i threw up on the wall and shit on the mattress at the cincinnati funny bone and sent the email to toledo i had a great weekend in toledo and i laugh hysterically Mm -hmm. thinking back of the people that worked at toledo Mm -hmm. and i and i remember doing radio in toledo and and them saying you did great radio and i sold out all the shows in toledo and i remember i just i look back i don't have any negative views of and I'm not talking about, I have no negative views when I was selling tickets. But when I wasn't selling tickets, I have no negative views. I, I look back so fondly at all those relationships, even the ones where you're like, how did I not hit my fucking bonus? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because it's so interesting. But I mean, so, so, then, so then I want to know where did you, because I always thought it was a skyrocket, but it sounds like okay. you were doing the work. Yeah, so... You had to build the hour. I had to build my hour. So then next thing you know, it's not eight comics. Now it's just four comics. Okay, now it's just two comics. I don't even remember. Okay, keep going. You know, and um, so I remember I only, before I was doing those shows on my own, I had feature gigs. I've only featured three times in my whole career. All right, let me try to guess. One of them you'll never guess. Okay. 80s comic, guess. Uh, Paul Rodriguez? No. White. <laughs> White. Uh, Craig Shoemaker. Tom Rhodes. No. Are you serious? What an interesting guy to feature for, too. He's such a different talent. He was my first feature. He's such a fucking interesting talent because he approaches stand-up from such a different way, like such his <clears> own. <throat> Keep going. I'm so sorry. No. But yeah. He's so, I love Tom Rhodes. I think he's, what a fucking, I would love to have featured for him. I would love to have a conversation with him today. I rem, I was so brand new. It's my first time. I don't know how to feature. Let's call him. I don't, no way. Yeah, of course. <gasps> what if he's Do you think answer. he'll remember me? Hey, Steve. Hey, Pete, do you have my burner phone? You have a burner phone? Uh, See, you're a whole different level. I have a couple level. burner phones. Uh. I got my number got leaked and it was really a negative experience. Oh. When you talk about all this self growth I'm doing, it's all because of I had to go through that and it was fucking. Is that my burner? Uh, I'll try them on this number. Um, do I have what number do I have yours? Is that your burner? Did you give me no, your you fake my, number? You're my real number. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Are we friends or not? Hold on. I can't see anything anymore. It's Bert. 
you know, I hate to say this. Tom's going to go, yeah, man, I was drinking back then. I don't really remember that weekend. I he was sober. You. When was this? It wasn't, it wasn't that. It, no, he was drinking. 2007, 2008. Let's see. I started That's 2007. Got, so it'd, it'd be 2007, 2008. He's also never in the fucking country. What is he doing? He travels the world. Travels the world reads. Hello? Tom, it's Bert. Kreischer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> my brother. Oh, oh, my God. Dude, how are you? I'm great. I'm sitting on my podcast. And I'm sitting with Angela Johnson. And she said the first person she ever featured for, you're on the podcast, by the way. He said the first person oh, she ever you. featured for was Tom Rhodes. And I said, I was going, how lucky she is. I would love to have worked with you to watch your brain work. She goes, I wonder if he even remembers that weekend. So I'm sitting here with Angela. Yeah. Do you remember that I weekend? Absolutely, I absolutely love Angela. And of course I remember. It was in uh, at Cobbs in San Francisco. Yep. And she destroyed the place and she had only had um she like uh, like she didn't quite have 45 minutes or she yeah. could have headlined it herself was why i was headlining but it was all basically her audience really this was like i mean in cops holds like five six hundred yeah. and uh and you know she's i've never seen her before she's hilarious she's lovable and um and christian i like that too and uh <laughs> You know, we hit it off all weekend. It was great. And, um, no, I absolutely love it. I, I, um, I, I smile whenever I see her photo at uh, the improvs uh, because I remember that moment. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Wait, Can, I want to say hi. Can I say yeah, hi? Yeah, hang on. She's going to take my phone. It's me, Angela. Hi, Tom. Talk by the mic. I'm so well. Listen, I think so fondly of you. It warms my heart to hear you say those words about me in that weekend. And I just remember that weekend and I did press with you and I had no idea what I was doing as my first time doing press. It was my first time featuring. And I just remember you being so kind and uh, generous with me. And I am so grateful for that weekend. I'm so grateful to be saying this to you right now on the phone. And I hope you're well. <laughs> You know what? Because that was really a special weekend for me also. So, like, I'm so happy that you remember it that way. Because, you know, I remember, like, just trying to give you advice for that next level. And I remember we got together and had lunch shortly after that. Yeah. Like, and, but, you know, I knew you'd make you'd be making that jump to, you know, fire-breathing dragon headliner. Uh, and you did. Like, Thank you. you know, just in a, in a matter of months. So... Uh, I adore you, and you made my day by telling me um, that that was significant for you. Thank you. I hope you are well. Yes. I'll hand the phone back to Bert. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Hey, I miss you, buddy. Let's podcast. I would love to, buddy. I'm I'm in L.A. Let's do it whenever you can. Okay, awesome. I'm going to hit you up, okay? This is my new number, by the way. Okay, I love you, Bert. Love you, too, brother. Bye. Bye. I just got so hot right now, like sweaty a little bit because I feel like my emotions got brought up and it was just like remembering, you know, when you first start and I was just talking with Whitney Cummings about this, actually, like me projecting on to other people, getting back to like my rise and stuff like that. But I would project onto other people that they didn't like me because I blew up so fast. 
Oh, that's so and funny. For some, I'm sure that was true. I'm certain there probably were people that thought that. Yes. All I thought, I remember, I remember seeing that video and thinking two things. Um, number one, I, I, I remember Leanne, Leanne will not remember this, but she walked by behind me. Our desk used to be up against, it was uh, north facing. It's also where I watched the Kyle Cease video of comedy boot camp. Uh, it's also where I watched, uh, I watched a lot of things that, that, that was a very interesting year. Um, and I remember thinking, I remember Leanne walked by and goes, who's she? She's adorable. And I remember number one thinking this woman is a fucking knockout. Like you were, you still are obviously, Thank but I remember you. going like, she's the fucking hottest chick doing comedy right now. And I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. Right. Click it. And I remember crying, laughing, going, I don't have any bits like that. Like, I don't have any bit that good. And then and then the word comes around. You know, she's only been doing it like six months, five months, a year, two years. And I was like, shut the fuck up. And I was, I remember thinking distinctly, everyone should be so lucky. Every comic should be so lucky to get one of those. I mean, for for Foxworthy, it was, uh, uh, you know, your redneck if. For Jeff Engvall, it was, here's your sign. Um, everyone got, everyone had a distinct bit, a memorable bit that would get people into the room. And if you could get people into the room, then you could, then you could do your hour. And I was like, man, give me one of those. Mm -hmm. I would love to have one bit. And I remember at the time I was like, it'll be the joke about me putting a carrot up my wife's ass. Where the fuck, when did I fucking think that joke was going to (laughs) go? But, uh, but I remember I, 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 I didn't have any, I don't, not that I didn't know anyone that had any 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 negative feelings about your success it was more like wonderment of like like how do you how do you do that like mm-hmm. that's i'm and i mean I, but i also don't i don't hang out with like i don't hang out with jealous right. negative right, right, motherfuckers right. yeah so i definitely projected that onto everybody and i had a different experience featuring for someone very opposite of when i featured for tom of the three yeah 2007 this video comes out on YouTube and has 4 million views in the first month. And this is going viral before that's an actual term that people were using going viral. Yeah. So um, it was like, what's happening? I'm getting all these messages on MySpace. When are you coming to Australia? When are you coming here, there? All these networks, we want to meet with you. I'm doing all these auditions that I don't even know what I'm doing. And I'm getting overwhelmed. I have thousands of messages. I don't know how to be famous at this point. So I have messages from people and I'm trying to reply to everyone. Oh my God, thank you so much for the support. But it's taking me hours and hours and hours. I don't know that you don't have to reply to everyone. I don't know how to be famous. So I'm sitting there for hours doing, thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for the support. Just fully overwhelmed. And then I remember having a conversation with my sister and I was like, okay, this is either like a little phase that I'm going through or this is the beginning of the rest of my life. And that's exactly what it was. Everything shifted after that. 2007 was the year that changed my life. I went from having no money in my bank account, unemployment checks had run out, no agent, no manager, to by the end of the year, I had written a full hour of stand-up comedy. I was on Mad TV. I was touring the country as a headlining comedian, and I was no longer in debt, all within one year in 2007. And then it just started snowballing after that. Then it was Alvin and the Chipmunks. Then it was our family wedding. Then it was I got my first hour special for Comedy Central. I had only been doing stand up for four years when I got my hour special and we filmed it in Houston. And um, it just started snowballing after that. And 
it was I did the work and I showed up, but I, I would never go to hang out at the comedy store or at the improv because I had anxiety and I thought people didn't like me. So I was like, let me not go. So anytime I would get like a Wednesday night, I'm going to do the 830 show or whatever. I had so much anxiety for like three days leading up to it oh, because really? I was trying to challenge myself to just go hang out at the improv, go hang out at the comedy store, whatever it is. And um, I would just project my insecurities onto everyone. That's what we all do. And I just wrote my material on the road. And I'm now, I'm working on my sixth hour right now. And it started from a free joke writing class at a church where I never intended to be a stand-up comedian. I'd never intended for this to be my life. I thought I was going to play a rape victim on Law & Order SVU. Like, that was my dream. My and dream <laughs> is to get raped on SVU. <laughs> and then here I am telling jokes. So Hey, can you get Andrew or someone to meet Zane? Grab my phone, Halston, and meet Zane. I don't want to. I don't want to finish this conversation yet. Um, one of my buddies is going to stop by to talk business at five. But but uh, hey, here's my phone. Here's my phone. If he texts, um, so that's that's an insane. It's an insane journey. Everyone's journey is unique, right? In this yeah. business, we all get our own unique journey, and everyone envies everyone else's. Sure. You know, people may look at Rogan and go, I envy him starting his own thing and then becoming the biggest media company by himself in the world. But that's not what his intent was. Right. And if you look at what his intent might have been at the beginning, it definitely wasn't. I don't think he ever saw this coming or, mm -hmm. or like, uh, God, man, I'd love to have Jim Jeffries career. Well, a lot of people don't know. One of the things that Jim pop Jim is he got punched in the head at the comedy store in London and it went viral on MySpace. And that was what like got America eyes on Jim. And then Opie and Anthony had him on. And, and by the way, Jim is a fucking genius. And he's got a huge body of work that he already had like our specials online from like doing Edinburgh that were amazing and off the top of his fucking head. I'm sure it wasn't off the top of his head. But if you watch him, you think. But it's so interesting to see the different paths we take. And I, I would... I always thought me and you had a very similar path. We I, now that I know that we did we did not, but because of my machine story going viral, yeah, and then that was the thing that brought people to the shows, yeah, and it was what I thought when I was at the Ryman. I was like, just we'd all be lucky enough to have one bit to bring us bring them right. here, and then one bit to get you here, and then let me tell you the other stuff, and then you're gonna like my other stuff. Like I, I'm also the guy that created the, the machine, right? But I also create yes, t plenty of hours, like yes. So, that nail salon joke, I had no idea it was going to do what it did. It was so good. It was something, I grew up in San Jose. It's a huge Vietnamese population in San Jose. I'm very good at accents. One of my best friends in Vietnamese, they would teach me how to say things, like all the things. And I had no idea it was going to do what it did. And I am so grateful for that joke. And I remember going through a season of my life in my career where I would hear people say, oh, she just has that one joke. That's just it. She just has that one joke. Oh, yeah. She didn't have that joke, though. That All that. I was starting to hear those murmurs, right? Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that joke anymore. Oh, I'm just going to. They fucking, those haters yeah. all say that. I know. You, Bert, you're, you, you, all you do is get drunk and tell that fucking one story on stage. That's all you are. That's why I'm not a fan. First of all, you're not a fan. Don't speak to me. Like, okay. don't, don't, don't. If that's if you're already shitting on me, if that's how we're right, entering right. the conversation, right, right, right. it's like my friend that comes and drops his negative mood on right, me. Right, right, right. Uh, you're not you're not a fan. You just are looking for someone to shit on. Yeah. 
Oh. So I was starting to hear those murmurs. She's just that one joke. That's all she's got. So I was like, oh, I'll prove myself to everybody. I'm more than this joke. I'm not going to do it. And I remember the first time I didn't do that joke. It was in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club on one of my own weekends. And I felt bad not doing the joke, but I was challenging myself. And later on, I went and I checked my Facebook messages and I got a message from a girl that was like, hey, my mom and I drove a few hours to come and see you tonight because we love that nail salon joke. And we really just bonded over that joke. And we were so excited to see you do it. And you didn't do it. And it was so disappointing. It was a great show still, but we were just so disappointed you didn't do it. And I was like, you know what? I am so mad that I was listening to the wrong people. I was listening to the people who don't care about me, the people who are not buying tickets to my show, the people who do not support me, the people who do not like my photos, support me, share my content. I was listening to the wrong people. Instead, I should be listening to the people who adore me, who are fans of me, who are paying money, their hard-earned money that they've been saving for who knows how long. Like, I don't know what their budget is, but maybe they're like, man, we can either do this or do this. We're going to go see Angela. And then I'm like thinking about somebody else who doesn't care about me instead of them like doesn't how awful is that show and and if you if you knew if that person knew that that effect that comment affected your show and that it let down people in your show they would literally go oh fucking seriously yeah oh, that's fucking crazy yeah like, they don't give a fuck no i don't i don't leave negative comments i gave a guy a negative reply today um he was like he was like uh it wasn't negative i just he said, "Hey man, you something," and and I, and I replied back, and then I deleted it, and I was like, "You know, I, he he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he, I think he thinks that I probably like have the thickest skin in the world, and and I and I don't. That's why I'm not why I'm not on Twitter. And today I kept saying I kept wanting to go on my phone because I'm doing a lot of press today. Mm-hmm. And you just that's how you get. And I just put my phone down and I said, I'm gonna do deadlifts today." I don't ever really do deadlifts and I'd like I like doing deadlifts. I really mm-hmm. enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And for 30 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, I did deadlifts and I listened to Wu Tang Clan. I listened to Method Man to Cal. And I was like, and then my day started and I got my polar plunge and then I took a shower and then I did some press and then I got my car and I, I just haven't been on my phone today. And it felt so fucking good. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I draw a lot of enjoyment out of my phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but to disconnect and to to live in the realness Mm. and i've had by the way i've had like my friends my friends my best friends tell me who are the most respected comics in the business don't you shouldn't tell that machine story and i go okay cool you do you i'll do me bro like i'm I'm not gonna listen to you because you're not at my shows Mm -hmm. and then and then tom who's i don't think he gave a fuck one way or the other if I told the story, I think he's, you know, Tom definitely, you could not get Tom to tell the same story twice. He was with me at a show. Oh, Ari Shafir was with me at a show. Ari was someone who's like, you don't tell that story. Don't tell that story. That's so stupid. It's so stupid. You're, you've already told it. You've told it once. It's on your special. You're done. You're done. That's how it works. And I was like, okay, that's your opinion. We went to a show in, was it Calgary? And... We were just doing a storytelling show, and I told the story, and they started chanting the machine. And I said, no, I'm, I think I'm done. Ari, come back. And Ari's like, I think you got to tell it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I was wrong. You're right. You got to tell it. I mean, look at this. This is fucking crazy. I've never seen this before. 
So, so someone's experience. They haven't experienced. Yeah, because you haven't experienced what I've experienced, and I'm I'm working off experience. Is that I? Is that? Is that? Is is that this? When I saw you at the Ryman, I I sat with Nate and Ari, and all three of us, and they can say whatever they want. All three of us were like, I hope she tells the nail slot bit, because we all wanted to see it. I saw Ron White at the store one time. I was like, God damn it! I wonder if he'll tell Tater. So I love that story. I love that story. And 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 I remember going to see Dane Cook going like, do you think he'll do the fucking uh, he had this bit about workout like it was a stupid bit that he probably never put in a special, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. And so. Listen, I don't want to go to see a a stand up special and watch you recite your hour that you've I've already seen online. Right. And I'm not I don't want to go see you twice in the same year if you're doing the same hour. Right. But I want to see you do new material. And then, hey, guess what? I work pretty hard for this ticket price. I want to see you fucking hit me with it, baby. Yeah. Like, and and, and I would love to do it. I would love to do a tour where I just, Wilco did this. They go, you pick the set list. I would love to not write an hour for a year, do a whole sold out tour, not even think about it and just rattle off a bunch of hits. I don't right. remember them. I don't remember anything I've done on any of my hours. I remember the machine. But if I, when I went to Serbia and I came back and I had to do spots, I couldn't remember the machine to save my life. I was like, God damn it. How the fuck does this go? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you what, and this is how I feel wholeheartedly, and I and I love the listeners of this to to podcast to, to chime in. If you if you're playing in LA at the Wiltern or the Greek, wherever you decide to play next time, I would I definitely would like to bring my family. I I would love to bring both my girls. If you're too. in town, can you yeah. please do a guest set on my show? Wiltern oh. March twenty fifth. Yeah, I actually totally can. I, I would, would love, love to. Love you're that. at the Wiltern March March twenty fifth. If I'm in town, I definitely will. And I want my I want my kids and my wife to come see you. And I I'll tell you that. and I'll tell you right now, I definitely want to hear the nail salon bit because my because our best friends are Vietnamese. That's people think people think, oh, it's just a bit I saw online. No, no, we have connections with certain bits. Our best friends are Vietnamese. Our best friends. We're going to their house. Well, Vietnamese and Chinese, but uh we're going to their house Thursday for Chinese New Year because Sandy's Chinese, but everyone knows who my friends are. Tom and Sandy. And so and I'll bring Tom and Sandy. I'll bring them because they'll fucking die laughing because it's it's such such a good representation of something we've experienced. And that's what makes comedy great. It, yeah. it is what makes comedy great. And trust me when I say you have total right to displace your energy on other comics based on the way you were treated by other comics at certain points. But God forbid, please, please, please don't ever think that's everyone because n- me, Nate, and Ari walked back at that, do you remember meeting us backstage? Yeah. We walked backstage and we're like, "Did you think she'll know who we are?" Like she's like a fucking famous comedian. We're just like club guys. No, and, and, you, and you did not know who we were. You were like, "Hi, very nice to meet you. Very yeah. nice to meet you." But My I sister's don't... making salsa. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God. And we were like, "Oh, cool." And you were very nice, but we're like, "We're like, God damn it!" Like it made us feel humble because we we're like, we're, "I mean, we just we were doing zanies that weekend, and you were doing the fucking rhyming." So it, and. But uh, yeah, I will definitely March twenty fifth. If I'm here, I'm fucking in. I would love that. Would be amazing. The I shit. am out of town. Well, I, your family can come. I would love. I would love. Leanne would fucking love it. She would. Love I would it. love to have them. That would be amazing. This nail salon joke. My relationship with it now is I have such grat as we talked about practicing gratitude. I have such gratitude for the gift of this joke. And even in the day of cancel culture, when people try to label it things that it's not, yeah. to just let it fly by, let it fly by as as for as long as I can. Yeah, let, let it fly, it fly by. by. Let it fly by. You know? I mean, listen, 
listen, that's it's. I, I don't, yeah, I understand what you're saying, and we all have jokes like that. That that you go, you know, like trust us, all of us have jokes like that. Some of us have done fucking ten years of podcasting like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I mean, I I would I I still would enjoy to see it. My would, my presentation of it now is I'm at a place where this is my thank you to my audience yeah. who came to my show. So I do my new hour. Everybody loves what you have a good time. And then at the very end of my show, I say, I know there's a joke a lot of you want to hear and already just so much fun eruption. By the way, by the way, any con- look, if you, uh, it, uh, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I, there's not a lot of us that could share that where you go, you know, I know there's like, when I say when I was 22 years old, I got involved with the Russian mafia. When you hear 10,000 people, go fucking nuts i just got chills right now yeah, look at i just got chills just you, you saying you that you know that feeling yes you know that feeling and and we're very very and if you pull anything away from this we're very grateful to have been put in that situation and and i've always said it you know even after the movie comes out i'll still end up having to tell the fucking story because there are people people that saw the movie that don't know the story mm-hmm. and they'll want to see it i thought after i told the special i'd never do it then it went viral and then now people want to see it in person and and I, it's I, your I, encore now yeah hey listen i just talked to jimmy buffett well, not just, I posted the video the other day, but I talked to him and I said, and Leanne said, my wife said, do you think he'll play Margaritaville? I was like, baby, that's why we're here. I was like, Jimmy Buffett knows why we're here and he's going to play new songs. We're going to fucking have a blast. But trust me, he's going to play Margaritaville and he's going to add stuff to it and he's going to have fun with it and we're going to fucking love it. Fins to the left, fins to the right. We got This is going to be what our fucking night is. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm Real quick, pull up Angela's dates so we can... Go through her dates and then the name of your book. Is your book is your book out yet? It comes out March fifteenth. It's available for pre order. It's uh, Who Do I Think I Am? Stories of Chola Wishes and Caviar Dreams. I would love to know if I have any wannabe Chola listeners because <laughs> let me know. Way, Hit up your girl. Yeah, let it. Let we'll put this up there and just go. Just FYI, I was I the best lap dance I ever got in my entire life is a place called Valley Dolls. And the girl had Cholita tattooed across her stomach. Yeah. Along with many other tattoos. But I remember thinking, that, that's like eating the dangerous that. blowfish sushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna like, you're like, I'm gonna try this. I may not come out alive, yeah. but I have a story. And she was amazing. I mean, that woman played by a different set of rules. I had to call the lap dance. So uh, so here we are. What day is what day are we at today? Uh, you start February. you start on the wheelchair i started the wheelchair in march 25th Holy shit we're about to announce more dates uh in march so i go all the way to november but those dates aren't up yet this takes us all the way to i think los angeles reno bakersfield monterey at the golden state theater napa napa out of the show turlock california at the turlock community center denver denver keep scrolling halston uh Catoosa, Oklahoma. That's a hard rock. You're going to have a fucking great show there. Yes. Wichita. I was just there. Omaha, Omaha. 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 If anybody is listening in Omaha, can you please buy tickets to my show? Because that's the one that like nobody's coming to right now. Omaha. Can I just take a second telling you how much I love Omaha? Omaha is the first place I ever went where it was where I didn't know. All I had was a preconceived notion of what I'd be going to. And when I got to Omaha, it it blew my socks off to the point where I've played Omaha every year of my life. 
It's one of my favorite, every year since I've been touring, yeah. it's one of my favorite places to perform. Larry the Cable Guy lives there. I've hung out with him. At, I mean, I love Omaha so much. I think it's because Colleen wow. ran the club there at, at the Funny Bone. And it, I mean, I would go in, I, I, I love Omaha. It's one of my, it, 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 without a doubt, one of my favorite places in this country. I have weird favorite places, but like yeah. Omaha, Philly, Cleveland. I love Cleveland. It's all places where I want to shoot specials too, because it's like Tampa. Um, uh, like I love Missouri. I love Missouri. You're naming all the markets that I do not do well in. Besides Tampa, I crush in Tampa. But oh my god, Cleveland, um, Omaha, uh, Missouri, all of those places are oh, like who's Angela? I'm telling you. Well, they all listen to my podcast, so go out and see her. <laughs> this is a good crossover because I love Omaha. It's one of my. It's one of my favorite comedy destinations. I hung out with, I used to go in and do my, I was one of the only places I ever did my call and sick to work show was Omaha. And I hung out with Chris Porter. We smoked a joint in his bathroom, blowing it into the dryer. And I, and I broke down why he should tell his Taco Bell joke again tomorrow night on stage. And he was like, wait, I don't understand. I said, I go, dude, it's such a great fucking joke. Not everyone's heard it. I go, you, you have to tell it, tell it for me. So he goes on stage and he's like, Hey, I got a buddy in the room that wants to hear this joke. Here's the deal about Taco Bell. And the place went nuts. And Chris, Chris looked at me and was like. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, yeah. not everyone's familiar with your entire catalog. Yeah. You know? Um, but Royal Oak, Michigan. I love that place. Indy, Madison, uh, St. Louis, Austin, Midland, Lubbock, Irving, to Irving, Texas. These are all going to sell out. Oh, yeah. They're already sold out right now. McAllen, <laughs> Corpus Christi. These are at the fucking... The Salina Auditorium? Yes. Salina. 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 Oh, Salina. That was a great fucking movie. Yeah. Learned a lot about Mexican people from yeah. Salina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, Jacksonville, Florida at the Florida Theater. Hard Rock at the in Orlando. Pensacola. New York, the Joy Theater is a great fucking theater in New Orleans. I've never been. Oh, it's fucking awesome. You're going to have a great tour. But the book is, who do you think I am? Who do I think I am? Who, I'm dyslexic. Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? That's a great yeah. picture, by the way. Thank you. Tales. Stories of stories Chola of, Wishes God damn it, and I Caviar Dreams. I stories. won't be reading your book, but I'll be listening to it on tape. <laughs> okay. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. A real me. genuine pleasure. Um, I, I think the world of you, obviously, you know that. And so, uh, so, uh, so thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. This of was course. Great. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.